Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it after the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 25, 50, 45. Here goes Davis. Oh, my God. This is going running all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. And tonight, hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Kick is blocked. Kick it to the Josh having an MBA, security license, flight net worth fifty million and above. What that means to you is that we use business financial pro- process, uh, decision science, uh, and the NA process that we're very transparent and very authentic about that we share, so everybody makes money in this coming uh, recession. And tomorrow's in promise to you, right? We see the reporter. Mike Lee, show these people die of heart attacks suddenly. The linebacker for you can't finish university, 25 years old, dies of a heart attack. So tomorrow's not promised to you. So we, <laughs> we need to monetize these bowl games, monetize these yep. NFL games. And you got to make adjustments. You know, if you live in the past, you die in the past. And just because uh, last bowl season were 65% does not mean. Uh, we're going to be 65% this bowl season. So, uh, last year I just did it by myself pretty much. I had a little help from Dylan, had a little help from Chad. It's pretty much myself. And college regular season did well. 59%, 59% you can live in Vegas. But I'm usually around 70 to 80%. So, that's almost like a 20% drop. Then uh, championship week last year it was ten and three championship week, but all over championship week. This year eight and eight. So I have to change my process a little bit, do a little bit more research. We can't fix that going into both season. So to that end, we bring in heavy hitter Scott seventy eight percent, seventy eight percent NFL playoffs last year. Uh, 80% NF- NBA playoffs if you subtract Celtics games. You take the Celtics games out of the equation, he's 80% NBA playoffs. But we fix that, right? Number one, little bit. Don't bet your own team. Don't bet USF. And I'm going to watch the bet against you can't finish, then I'm not overcompensating because they are our rivals. So, Scott, what are first words as we get into these games right now? So, I'm happy to be here. First of all, uh, second of all, there is there is a lot of six and six teams playing early in ball season here. Right. A lot. Of, Rice is five and seven. Right. Six and six, seven and five. There are a lot of those teams that are early here in the bowl season, which means you got very mediocre teams. You got right. very uh, very. Uh, challenged offensively and defense defensive teams. So 
this makes for a very interesting bowl season early on coming up. So, right, and more than anything else, research and organization are more important than uh, almost anything else. And even though this is bowl season part one, um, yep. really part one was when I went over the methodology to to uh, uh, five minute podcast. Encourage everybody to listen to it. But the methodology that I've learned throughout the 30 years to uh, pick bullpens. Exactly. Right. And then corporate governance is so much a part of it. And right now, 100% 10 and 0 coaching changes. Doesn't have to be the head coach, it can be the offensive coordinator, a good recruiter, uh, an assistant coach everybody liked, right? Coach so and so. We all had him in high school and college. Everybody liked that guy. The guy's retiring. The guy's going to another job. All of that affects bowl season. Uh, right. Also, right. big players missing, right? So big players missing. Uh, were these system guys where it's just plug and play. They're just going to, okay, he's a 4-2 guy, speed burner. He runs an X on the air race team, right? He runs an X on the to replace him with another X, no problem. Or was he a big part of that offense? He, he wasn't, isn't replaceable. And they're not going to perform yeah. as well. Right. Same thing with, uh, okay, they changed coordinators. Was the other coordinator about to get fired? Or was he actually good in a main cog of that wheel yeah. for that particular team? And, and to that end, you, you have a game going on right now. Cincinnati, Louisville, where the coach is just changing sidelines from one to the other starting next year. So Scott Satterfield is going from one school to the other school. So, you know, it's it's crazy with his coaching staff changes. So Right. And I'll go through this real quick before we go through the real game. The calendar, how it works, and then how our sports betting calendar works, too. Uh, Because not only is it the coaching change, is that they changed the signing period for freshmen. So all the big blue bloods, we always talk about separating the blue bloods from the developmental teams. And Alabama's both. Alabama, the blue blood, but they develop players on a high level. Georgia, the same way. Georgia, what, 15 guys in the NFL last year? So they develop yes. players. Not only just blue bloods. You know, and then you have like Florida State, this borderline blue bloods. They won a recent national t- title, twenty sixteen, but they're yep. not at the level of Georgia and Alabama right now. LSU is going to get there soon. Yeah, USC is a blue blood. <clears throat> they won three national titles in the mid two thousands with Pete Carroll. Yep. So usually this is both season, both practice season. Right now you have transfer portal. Kids are transferring in transfer portal. Then you have NIL, which the uh, image likeness, right, where kids get paid for that or don't get paid for that. They just fund money because there's alumni who have an unlimited amount of money and they're football fans. So they invest their money in a football program. Uh, Boom Pickens gave a lot of money to Oklahoma State. He invested a billion dollars earmarked just for football. So Jerry Jones, not to be undone, donated a billion. With a B, I'm saying. 
to Arkansas University just for football. And by part of that, it helps the whole university. But it's earmarked for football. Then give another billion to the academics of it. One billion for football, one billion for academics. Boone Pickens gave like like maybe twenty billion to the academic side, one billion to football. This is the money we're talking about. And then you look at uh, Michigan; their endowment ends eighteen billion. Right. Okay. right. So this is a financial podcast, all about highest and best use of your time watching this game, so you make enough money. That's why we talk about money. So that's the calendar. So all that money is coming out for NIL to pay for the best players, uh, best high school guys. And these coaches are recruiting right now. That's their number one because that's everybody always wants a new shiny thing, always wants the next thing. That's why the draft's so popular. Oh, what's the next thing coming? Everybody likes the anticipation. So they're changing jobs from where they're at. So then you got to say, who, who's there? Is it the life or who's going to? Uh, he should be a head coach. And he's a lifer of the program. He's a linebacker's yeah. coach. He wants to run a certain type of defense. He's been wanting to run for 40 years. And he's going with the other coach at Louisville. But he says, hey, let me stay through the bowl game because I want to run my defense. And I got my guys and rile them up and all this and that. You got to research that to see who's going to win the game, who's going to cover or not cover. Right? So that's why Scott's so important helping me kind of put all this information together. So from here, you go. Go ahead. And one more talking point, maybe not so important now, but so it's going to become important is the college football playoff is expanding. So there's going right. to be even more money thrown into the NCAA and the schools. Exactly. Um, to fund things. So, yep. Yep. So yeah, that, the coach that's highly important right now. Yeah, the USF coach recruiting is uh, calling the kids. Um, Calling the kids a uh, 12-game playoff. Well, you're going to be on my team, and USF will make the 12-game playoff. So, like you're saying, it's already that money's already flowing. And then USF is backed by Vinick, the billionaire owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Canadian real estate, commercial real estate. Right. Uh, billionaire, building a medical school at USF. So, yep. from there, you go to winter workouts. The Harbaugh family likes to have spring practice during winter, during during February and March. So they lift weights from March yep. all the way to August. And that's when the strength and conditioning coach comes in. That's why Notre Dame's program came back with a strength and conditioning coach. The strength and conditioning coach in Alabama makes a million dollars. The one at Georgia makes $1.4 million. At Georgia, because Kirby Stark stole him from Nick Satan. So, so yeah. who is the strength conditioning coach? Where is he going? Is he good? Right. So, is this team that lost the coach still going to be good because their conditioning coach has everybody ready to go? You know, you have to research that. <laughs> That's why it takes so long. That's why we delayed it from yesterday to today. It's still, it's never. You can never do enough research. Right? Absolutely. But broke it up into parts. Once part yeah. one is done, I bet all those. So there's a last second change we'll put it on Twitter. But for the most part, 80 to 90% of the picks are going to stay the same. And we're telling you the why. So you use the why's to maybe make a change. So you have winter workouts, then you have summer player run practices. 
Now, if the kids are enrolled in classes, they can do regular practice. If they're not, it's player run practices. So, of course, with no supervision and no videos, each coach, each program has a different definition of that. Some coaches, all the guys are in class, and the strength and conditioning guys taking them out to the field, and they're practicing. They're practicing the offense. They're practicing the offense against their rival or games they have targeted for recruiting games next year. So you have that chunk of time. Then you have fall practice where things get shaked down, who's going to play during the season. Then you have the season. Then you have guys transferring during the season. You have coaches being fired in the middle of the season. Why? Because of recruiting. You want to get a head start on that recruiting. So what do you think uh, about all that as we start? We build a really good foundation between the start of the yeah. podcast, the last podcast, and now before we get into the games. So what are your thoughts at this point, Scott? Before I give you my thoughts, there's a co- there's a college bowl game going on. Guess guess who happened to show up at the Jackson State North Carolina NCCU game at North Carolina Central? Roger okay. Goodell because his oh. son plays NC. Yeah, I just he saw a picture of it wow. on ESPN. Wow, so he's yeah. it's so he, a big political thing because Goodell's making eighty million, right? Yeah. Uh, 40 million filters to him. He's been doing it for years. There's something else going on, right? Because Goodell owns like 5% of the SoFi Stadium. How's yeah. the commitment apart from the NFL part of the state? Okay, so once you have money, we'll get into this. Uh, let me know if you – we had a great time and a lot of great progress uh, in the offseason podcast. Yes, absolutely. In into – the way things work, the way corruption works, illegal corruption, yep. illegal corruption, fall from grace. Maybe wrote some notes and some other fall from grace podcasts by far did the best. Yep. Once you have, let me know if you think I'm right, Scott. Once you have okay. money, the next step is power. Absolutely. 100%. And for Bill to go to a historically black college, means he's yep. this, Power going in there into politics, into you know fake diversity because that's fake diversity, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Random black guy and say, "Oh, we're diverse, right?" Because diverse companies make forty six percent more cash flow. You don't do that, right? Even though I do right. like the fact that right. he went to the college, he's emerging himself as a culture, but it's just black people. The major minority, the the richest minority groups are the Cubans, the Persians. Yep. And, and Asians are sixth. People are like, oh, Asians in the minor or the model mi- minority. No. Cubans are. <laughs> Martin, yeah. Ted Cruz, uh, Melendez. You know, what, who, who, who the most money? The Mormons, right? Mitt Romney. Right. And, and why, why does everybody think that a lot of the baseball players, you know, in another sport, uh, right. defect? From Cuba to the United States, because of the money, it, you know, right. Cuba, Cuba's getting right. getting a little kickback, you know, when these guys sign their contracts because they're allowing right. them to defect right. to the United States. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's brain trained because athletes they all come here. Yep. So okay, great. He went to a historically black college, but now he needs to get versed on the Hispanics, the Persians, the Mormons, yeah. different religion than them. 
that's diversity, not what his kids trying to do. And, and also with uh, what's his face, um, uh, Jay Z. Jay Z being the you know the diversity guy for the NFL. It's not diversity. That's just Jay Z. Uh, yes. Jay-Z's been trying to be Jay-Z. Exactly. But everything you said earlier, I, I agree 100% with you on, on that. The co- college game is now becoming a lot of, there's a financial windfall starting to happen because of the NILs and all this other stuff. So you see insane dollar figures being thrown out there for guys, you know, in the A, in the transfer portal, B, in the NIL. See in recruiting, especially there's right. there's just so much money going on in that. So, and, and a lot of manipulation. Yeah, and a, and a lot of manipulation, right? Because you know, Dion. Oh, don't forget about you know, all this NFL. Now, you want your money up front too, Dion. If I'm a college guy, I'm like, I don't know about the NFL. Only one percent make it to the NFL. If I can yep. get money today because of inflation. Yep. I'm going to put the money in my pocket and invest it, right? Add on bonuses, scholarship, take the money, invest it, put it in Tuskegee, put it in uh, Apple, and just leave it there forever. By the time you're Scott, Scott and I age, you're done. You're completely yeah. retired. You're doing what only what you like to do, nothing else. Well, the huge thing is before, before we go into the games here, is when a kid sees Nick Satan sitting across from him in his living room, and he says, I got a half a million dollar check for you right now if you right. sign with us. Right now. I will hand over a half a million dollars to you, and your life can change forever, and you can be have a chance to be an NFL player in the first round if you right. come with me. The kid's going to say, okay, where do I sign? Give me the, give me the, the uh, piece of paper. I'll sign it. So, right. you know. So when you get a Nick Satan and a Bill Belichick who probably has been on a couple of these recruiting trips as well to make right. your oh, yeah. name guys, you uh, you clearly become starstruck as a as a eighteen year old kid looking at schools. So Right. Uh in the way you tie it into to picking games is uh for me, one of the reasons I think my percentage was lower is that if you live in the past, you die in the past. Yeah. And in the past, certain situation games would be under, they're not going over because the team didn't have a decent coordinator. Or kids are now making more business decisions. Right? Uh, why did he stop the clock? He went out of bounds. Ooh, that was weird. He should have stayed inbounds. Well, he, he, you know, he just talked to a scout the other day and his agent, they told him he might go in the third round. So now, now he's going out of bounds to preserve his body. Right and uh, right, safety for defense. Uh, Oregon, right? Uh, the defensive end that was the Giants. He stopped playing right at the end of the season, so he started had to pick Oregon games that before we go under, not over. So that's another thing to look at. Situations here, right? It's dicey whether it's yep. going to go over or not, right? So you got blue bloods. You got a lot to consider before picking blue bloods. Blue bloods developmental team versus coaches scheme. Coaching philosophy, players who set out to get ready for the NFL draft, players who are yep. using this platform to make more money at the bowl game, to improve their NFL draft status. All of that, you got to factor it in 
Absolutely. And the calendar. And the calendar. And the calendar might change. You know, they should just leave it the same. Leave capitalism to work itself out. Yep. Yep. Okay, so we started one and three. Well, I did. Because I don't know how it's going to go. (laughs) But uh, uh, I started one and three. Uh, One was a bad pick, right? One was that Troy... Uh, San Antonio game, very good game, a lot of good players. Yeah. We loved the two teams. That game was going to go under because the Troy coach is a really good strategist, really good defensive guy, Belichick tree guy, uh, who knew how to stop that air raid. So that was going under. It was a good pick. We picked Troy. The yeah. second game, I needed to remember that Trent go for. Always lies to the press. But he was at the he's always lying. So he's now the coach of UAV. He said he was not gonna meddle, he was just gonna let him play. Right in the first quarter, you could see him medal. He was trying out players for next year. They weren't even running because they knew they were gonna beat Miami of Ohio, 10 point favorites. Over under was 45. I thought it was low. So the game ends up 24 to 20. I missed a push on the total because of two things, right? A mixed extra point in college is different. They're right there close. There should never yep. be a push point in college. They're right there next to me. He misses it. Uh, and then uh, uh, Alabama Birmingham takes out their starter to let the backup have a couple series so Trent Dilfer can look at him, right? So that probably would have been a couple scores for UAB. Uh, they threw a bomb, and I don't know what the guy was doing. He was 10 yards in front of the, guy, front of the guys. He starts playing around, waits for them to catch him up, and tries to go around like a cartoon. They tackle him. They come back in. Coach decides to punt instead of go for it. Uh, and then they fumble the ball at the four-yard line, gifting Miami a touch. So is it bad luck or bad pick? What do you think, Scott? You can do the hopper effect on that it's, it's bad luck. It's bad luck. The extra point, missed extra point. You right. can never. I mean, it's it's easy to hit right. these extra points, and you miss it. Right. Then right. the field position battle comes into effect. You know, turnovers, which you can never. Turnovers and touchdowns, two things you can never ever um, count on in, in football. Happened. So right. it's bad luck. It's bad luck. And then Trent Dilfer. Well, now we know he's going to be as a coach. Don't but they coach got his mouth. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what offense he brings out there. Uh, yeah. We know he ran in college. You know, he's a West Coast offense guy. We know what he did in the NFL with Brian Billick, which is West Coast offense. But a Super Bowl yep. with Ravens. It was always funny about him. That everybody said, wow, what a great defense the Ravens have because Trent Dilfer's a quarterback. <laughs> He's always not been that good uh, of an quarterback. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they go like six straight games without scoring a touchdown? Something yeah. like something crazy like that with Dilfer at at the helm. The only so. the only touchdown they scored in the passing game in the second half of the season was actually in the Super Bowl. Because you know, yeah, yeah, in the Super Bowl we're like, no, we're gonna throw it. What? Yeah, they played the Giants, I think. I think they yeah. play the Giants that year. 
Yeah. So, yeah, Marvin Lewis. Yeah, that's what got Marvin Lewis. Sean Payton, Jim, does the Jim Fosbo, Sean Payton, uh, boring Giants. Very, yeah. very boring team. Up and down. Yep. All right. So today, then we start today. Uh, we learn from our mistakes. Really good article in the Boston Globe about Dion Branch, what he knows about coaching, the way his approach is. He really seems like he's gotten really good advice by his agent, mentors, or whatever. That he he's created a really good role for him, where he can branch out to be a CEO coach because. Yes. He knew he wasn't going to make it in the business world. The, the, his people made good investments for him. Really has good people, it seems like. Uh, they made investments for him. They said, go to coaching. So he's been coaching. He's been learning. He hasn't been a coordinator or everything, but he knows a lot of people. And obviously, he's won Super Bowls. In, in the NFL, he was mentored by Bill Belichick and then Pete Carroll. So he knows uh, kind of what's going on. Right. Uh, so reading that and then going to the Cincinnati Inquirer, reading about the Bearcats, I decided to go with Louisville on the money line under 37 points. I conferred with Scott on Thursday, right? Because I'm putting $1,000 on each game, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. Right now, yep. I'm down like $3,000 going into this, but hopefully. I'm going to even things out here. Uh, it looks under. And it scores 24-7 in the fourth quarter. So it looks like it's, it's at 31 now. Uh, Cincinnati was just stopped. It's 4-11. I think it'll stay under 37. Hopefully, they're punting it. Hopefully, we'll go to turn the clock out and I get my under 37. How do you think about that analysis of that one, down? Yeah, I... I'm 100% in agreement with you. Louisville's got uh, has got this game pretty much uh, in the bag, not in the bag, but it it looks good for them right now. Cincinnati has done nothing on offense, and defensively they haven't problem stopping Louisville. So, you know, Dion Branch has probably reached out to Belichick, had a long conversation with him, yeah. talked about you know a bowl game and and what you do and how you get prepared. Plus, he knows he was with the Patriots for Super Bowls, so. He's a really good fit with that team. I think the te- the kids look the kids on that team look like they're playing for him because I watched a little bit of that game. But um, they look like they're playing for him. They look like they want to be there. They want to play for him. And the big thing is Dion Branch is back in the Massachusetts New England area as a coach, and right. that's a comfortable for any coach who's had success in this area before. So. You know, kudos to Dion Branch. I hope he gets a con. I hope he becomes a full time coach there because I think well, he can do a really good job. Right? Yeah. I think he's qualified. He's been college coaching for 10 years after he retired. Yep. Worked for Pete Carroll, who won three natural titles as a college guy. So those guys are resources. He's won a Super Bowl. He's got a really good personality for recruiting. Then the other element, yep. too, that you're at, this is a great masterclass podcast, really. Uh, for people learning stuff, uh, because you have to look at who can judge talent. Is he a good judge of talent? Oh, he definitely right. is. He definitely is. I mean, he should be. This guy, this guy is about as even killed a, a, a person as you can get. Right. He, he's not. 
excitable. He's not going to get too up and too down after wins and losses. He's going to stay on that even keel line, and that's very important for young kids. Well, well so. yeah, he's him like Brable, right? And it's interesting because you're looking at guys who are getting into head coaching situations with really good emotional intelligence, right? Which is another business concept. Yep. When yep. Joe Judge is challenging you into a fight, saying he's going to punch you, screaming in your ear, yep. you know, most uh, New England receivers are like, okay, I'm done with New England. Talk to your agent after this year. Get me out of here. Exactly. Exactly. Except for maybe a Wes Walker. A lot of things came out about Wes Walker because uh, Mike Leach now. <laughs> Mike Leach died for a few days and then Bella Sheet and everybody sent private detectives to his house to take all his diaries and stuff. But what came out right. is that Bell Sheet paid uh, Mike Leach $100,000 after Walker was with the Patriots and he went down to Lubbock, Texas, which I believe, because remember, I saw Bella Sheet in Tampa, Florida, USF in the middle of summer. Yep. So he's on the plane all the time, Bella Sheet, during the summer, going to different colleges. Uh, he goes to Lubbock, Texas, and said to Mike Leach, uh, we've had Wes here for a year. We've had a hard time getting him because he brought the McDaniels with how do you get West Walker open? And, you know, uh, Hotel Leach said, oh, I have a big house. You guys can sleep upstairs. We'll go downstairs. And I'll teach you guys the air raid offense place that gets West Walker <laughs> open. Because that was his problem that offseason, was getting West Walker. So unless you're West Walker, where they're grooming you, they're changing the offense for you, I don't know why. Well, West Walker ended up being one of the greatest statistical receivers, right? Yeah. In Patriots yep. history, so I'm not going to argue with it, but they invested a lot in West Welfare. They changed the offense for West Welfare. Unless you're one of those receivers, you're going to get yelled, you're, people are going to get in your face, and you want to get out of there. Deion Branch did exactly. not do that, right? Brable did not do that. They stayed calm. Did not do that. Yep. And they learned another you're going to get millions of dollars as uh, head coaches. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. So that vibe there, I think it's important, too, because uh, Patriot fans are so loyal. Uh, a lot of people just went there, they're Dion Branch fans. They're streaming for Louisville, yeah. Normal getting good vibes just because of Dion Branch. Exactly. Exactly. Because people up here don't know Louisville Cincinnati program from, yeah. from, from the next program. Right. But they know Dion Branch because he was the hometown guy who won the MVP in the Super Bowl with right. Tom Brady right. against right. Seattle, right. I think it was. So right. Right. when you see a guy like that, you say, I want to go to the game. I want to root for Dion Branch in Louisville. And right. like you said, that's what's going on now. So good, nice, clean outing. Cheap. You yep. go see Dion Branch. A good value for the player. Exactly. Right. exactly. Game of Gillette, it's right, $1,000. Right. So that was that. And it looks, it's looking good right now. So from there we go to BYU versus SMU. What are your first thoughts on that? So that game, let me make sure I get my current odds up here. I betted all the games. So I'll tell you what I bet and then what the, what the lines are now as we speak. 
Okay. On Saturday the seventeenth, and it's ten forty-five West Coast, one forty-five East Coast. Yep. What are your thoughts on that for on that game? So doing doing my research in this game, one thing stuck out to me more than anything else is BYU is losing several coaches to Northern Colorado this after this game or have already lost them. That's huge. So that is really huge in a in a bowl game where SMU is very explosive offensively. Right. They can put points up against anybody. Anybody. They've mm-hmm. scored 34 points in a game eight times and were seven and one this year. So they can put up points. Northern Colorado is losing defensive coaches, offensive coaches, head coaches. So to me, that tells me that the BYU coaching staff and the players are in disarray. They probably didn't have good weeks of practice leading up to this game because the coaches were like, we're going to Northern Colorado. You know, what a weekend. We're just here for the kids, but that's it. So that that's very, very telling to me as to which way you go in a game like this. And as you've talked about before, coaches leaving, that's part of the equation in these bowl games is a lot of coaches do leave and go to another school. Right. But you have you have several on this staff going to northern Colorado. It, it's not going to be a good situation for BYU, I, I don't believe. I really don't. Right, so we have to go with SMU in this situation <laughs> because yeah. they have their staff intact, and then uh, BYU fired their defensive coordinator. And he, you know, obviously doesn't have time to uh, to come up with a whole new defense for this game uh, or teach him or teach the guys what his defense is. So it almost seems like it's hard for BYU because they have, you know, eighth-year seniors, guys that went on a two-year mission, guys who have a red shirt, and then guys who uh, got the COVID year. So uh, to that end, uh, it's going to be tough for those seniors just to be in a mail-in game. They have a modicum of a game plan, but I'm going to change my pick there. I'm going to buy myself out of that. And that's why it's good. It's not just me doing it. Then we have people coming in with new information. Because, yeah, that's SMU minus four. It's going to be over 64 points because SMU likes to score. And BYU had a bad defense to begin with this year. I mean, when you're scoring, they're they're averaging 479 yards of offense. And they're averaging 38 and a half points a game. Okay. That puts a lot of pressure on the other team to have to score and score and score. And they've done it against everybody. It's not just like, okay, they scored 61 game, 50 another game, 35 another game, and then they were in the 20. They've, they've scored against everybody. So they their coaching staff knows exactly what uh, BYU does good defensively and will exploit that. And then the coaches leave. That's just the cherry on the top. With, in my opinion. So. Right. And then corporate, corporate governance and coach at SMU is Rhett Lashley, who won a national title as a quarterback coach for Auburn. But he had a great quarterback, right? He had Cam Newton was his quarterback. <laughs> he was coaching that. 
How hard is it to coach Cam Newton in college? Uh, extremely hard. <laughs> extremely hard. <laughs> With all the su- surrounding stuff that was swirling around him oh, all the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. From being a criminal at Florida with all the serial killers with Aaron Meyer, right? Aaron Hernandez and a couple of other guys who are spending life in prison. And then Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah. So we're at Lashley, right? So he coached with Gus Malzahn at Auburn. Uh, they get some Miami as office coordinator. Now he is. Your coordinator keeping his staff intact. Big game for recruiting for SMU. So SMU. Uh, but I just bought myself out of that pick, so I picked SME minus four over 64. Another game, same situation, you know. If this holds through, right now it's been 100%. If this holds through, uh, Scott and I are making a ton of money today. If tomorrow's a uh, promise to anyone, Boise State against North Texas. The whole North Texas staff is out of there. <laughs> you got to think that a new coaching staff has to uh, be ready to go uh, with recruiting, not this bowl game. So this bowl game is meaningless. Moving to the American, again, Boise State has this whole staff intact. And do you remember this thing, Scott? Big for fantasy for many years, uh, Dirk Cutter. One-time NFL coordinator. He is your offensive coordinator for Boise State. His son is a receiver on that team. (laughs) So this is a big right. I did see that name when I did my research. That's right. So this is a big game for Boise Boise State, North Texas. Who's in the transfer portal? Who's in? Who's gonna who's gonna be for no there's so many unknowns. Any of the coaches there are gonna be hired on a new staff. What's going on? So they Try to talk about makeshift. We got to remember North Texas on the board of North Texas Board of Regents is uh, Tillman Fertetta from the $23 billion Fertetta family that owns what? The Palms. And now they're getting heavily involved in North Texas football. They're getting very heavily invested in Houston football and the Houston Rockets. So that's another. We'll do this podcast too. I'll, I'll write a name for podcasts within the offseason. How can Board of Regents and universities, its owners or sports franchises, also be owners of sports books, casino, the casinos, and sports betting apps and software? How can that? All right. But we were- All right. I'm going to the win. I'm going to the win for research. The <laughs> so Boise State minus ten. Under 60. And if you go to the win, this is the first thing you can go there without a disguise because after these bowl picks, it's not like that. They're going to let you back in. So, my research, I, I did see that North Texas was losing numerous coaches off their staff, number one. They fired the head coach, that's the trail, which I kind of like. They got the run and the stick. Your tail family, once you're out, you're out. Right. So, so number two, Dirk kind of is the offensive coordinator. So you know he, he's holding some stuff back for this game that, yeah. that North Texas has seen. So he's an NFL veteran, comes to Boise State. Probably the head coach was like, you know, Dirk, we're missing the, we're missing a key ingredient on offense. You you have that key ingredient. Come to Boise State. 
So Boise State seven one and one against the spread in the last nine following an against the spread loss, which they had last game. So my my personal opinion is is that Boise State is going to come out and is going to be really aggressive and take shots down the field deep and um, and put North Texas State in a in a deep hole early in the game. And as everybody should know out there, when coaching staffs get fired, leave whatever practices are usually very chaotic very undisciplined very 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 short coaches just just say okay we've been here an hour we've done a lot of stuff we're out let's go and that's not going to help north texas in this game i mean north texas is 6-1 against the spread versus a winning team and boise state has a winning record that does not exist in this game because of this coaching staff and the chaotic nature of their practices. So I think North Texas is just happy to get to a bowl game. I think they'll, that will show out time and time again. I love Boise State in this spot. I think Boise State can name the score in this game, basically. So, Right. And I like it over the 60 because uh, I do North Texas is an offensive team in South Trail. And they're just their base offense, right? Uh, the running shoots, air raid offense, just a base offense will score 10 to 17 yeah. points. And it's a bowl game. Yeah. You have uh, NFL offensive coordinator and Dirk Carter. He has 2,000 plays in his head. So he's like, oh, let's run 200 plays here, or you know, 100 plays is what you run in a game. Let's run 100 plays that are probably never going to run again. So let's just right. throw everything option to the win here in the bowl game, get this bowl game over and get my son a lot because he's he, he's coaching the NFL for years. He's like, okay, how many reps is my son ever gonna get? Exactly. exactly. The NFL team. So this bowl game is a family game, have the whole family there. Dirk Cutter is very, very rich, conservative Mormon guy. So all that money he made as a head coach, as an assistant, he saved it. So he's paid for his whole family, whole clan, Mormon people, 5,000 people from his family there to watch the kid catch touchdown passes in the bowl. For us, my, my, bowl, my bowl prediction in this game, his son no. will catch two touchdown passes in this game. Yes. Two. You can try that as a prop uh, out there. Dirk yep. Over under, Dirk yep. Cutter, son's catches. Right? Yep. This is his son. All right. So a team we follow closely this year. Uh, Scott was on that podcast. I don't know if he was on the whole podcast, but he was there for a while. Uh, we had yep. Chance Nolan. The yep. brother's been on the podcast all year. Girlfriend's coming down from Montana. So we'll excuse him. Parts unknown. Uh, he's on assignment again. He's on assignment again. Sent on assignment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oregon State, right? So pretty much I've been following Oregon State my whole life. Uh, great year, upswing, defense is playing well. And Florida, Florida's a tough place, man. It's almost, you know, there's so many people there, so many people coming and going. Um, they have many, many, it's just a headache for a coach now with Napier. They have many, many billionaire donors, and they all think they're experts in football. And since they won a national title, 
back to back with Tebow and Spurrier. Uh, they want to be in a national championship hunt every year. It's very critical. When I talk about living in the past, they have a billion dollars, and all they do is reminisce about the past, about the fun and gun, and beating teams 80 to 3. So it's sure the style they want. And Napier isn't that style. He's a more uh, grinded-out type guy. Big, fat offensive lineman. Let's lean on you and let's grind this thing out. Uh, Oregon State's kind of the same way. The backup is in there. He's wild. He's 50%. Chance was really accurate. Uh, he yep. doesn't win as much. But, man, they got to be charged up for this game. It's a big game for them. Really, they were two plays away from being in the Rose Bowl. Maybe Chance not getting hurt. They might make the Rose Bowl, get a couple extra wins in there. They beat Oregon. So. And knock them out of the playoffs, knock them out of the the, uh, the um, Pac-12 championship game. So they're really feeling good about their season. Big game for them. They have to beat an SEC school. And Florida is down to their third-string quarterback. They are interested that he had trouble this year reading college defenses. Two-part question for you before we get into it. Uh, if Anthony Richardson had problems reading college defense, what makes you think Sky's going to be able to read NFL defense? We'll get into that. Then the second part is that they're down to the third street quarterback. The second street quarterback got caught with child pornography, which that really has to affect your kids. Because you're like, what? This guy was in the locker room with me? Kid not. His dad was in the NFL. So you got to worry about his dad, too. Because they need to go to some therapy or some things. Well, they're going to have to get, help the kid get out of jail. It has to affect teams. Like, what? this weirdo, this psycho was with me all this time. Uh, so that, that's that's a factor. Who's in the portal? Yep. Who's out? They're bringing in two five stars. So the third string, this is it for him. Uh, he, I feel bad for this guy, the third string. He was yeah. a drop back guy. Fooled by Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer brings in these drop back guys, and they never have a chance. They're like, Josh, how can you quantify that? Well, let me tell you a story about a guy named Joe Burrow, who was a backup at Ohio State for three years. And Braxton Miller, where's Braxton Miller at? Was it, it's in the Canadian Football League arena? We don't know where Braxton Miller is, but we do know that Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Braxton Miller. Urban Meyer knew that, but he never was going to start Joe Burrow. He just got Joe Burrow there, so he wouldn't go to Michigan. And to create competition to make his runner a better dropback runner through competition. But he lied to Joe Burrow and said, hey, you're going you're gonna to get a chance to start. He had no chance to start. Urban Meyer's a plus one. Oh, I'm going to train. You've been a plus. Because uh, Burrow's dad said, are you even a plus one guy or you're you're going to change? Yes, for, for Joe, your son Joe, I am going to change. Everybody believes it. Next thing you know, Joe Burrow ruins three years of his life. Luckily, he was smart enough to get out of there, go to play Joe, win a national title, and then get his team to a Super Bowl. A bad team in the offensive line to Same thing happened to the starter here in Florida. He's a drop by guy. He's good. Napier was at Arizona State. And saw him play in high school and knows this kid can play. So he has him as his third string quarterback in Florida. Uh, I still think Oregon State's going to cover. It's now out to 10. So I'll bet that again at 10 points. Yeah. Uh, because they have more defense. But 
uh, nature is going to air it out with this kid and get this game over 51 and a half. So it's Oregon State, right? Uh, minus 10 and a half over 51. What do you think, Scott? I agree 100%. So, do, again, doing my research on this. The last seven games, they've held opponents to seven. Oregon State, this is. Held opponents to 17 points a game, 330 yards, and they've been 6-1. and one. They do not throw the ball a lot. They're a running team, first and foremost, running and right. play defense. Okay? Their red zone defense is number three in the country, 67.5%. Florida, on the other hand, is 117th in the nation in red zone offense. So they do not finish drives with touchdowns. And so that's a problem. He was confused. He was confused. Yeah. In the red zone. Yeah. And now you're asking a third string quarterback to even stay remotely close in this game and possibly win it? Not going to happen. And the last thing I'll say is those Florida donors will be in the casinos and at the right. card tables because this game is the Las Vegas Bowl. Right. They will all be having a good time on the Las Vegas Strip in every casino they can find. That will be a detriment to them as well. So I love Oregon State in this case, in this situation. I think they're going to run for over 300 yards in this game. I, Florida is just, again, so many kids are not going to play for them in this bowl game. So you just got to look at Oregon State and say they got the coach. They'll probably have the coaching advantage. They'll have the, the running advantage. And my big thing in college is domination on the offensive line and the defensive line. And Oregon State will do that in this game, and that will spell a big Oregon win, Oregon State win. And I love the over in this game, too. I think Oregon State could score 40 points in this game easily. easily. So, two offensive coaches. So, you say, oh, yeah, you're going to be running a lot. Why, why are you guys picking the over? Well, because it's complimentary football. Uh, yep. How many practices has this? There's, you know, national title team, playoff teams are taking advantage of the 15 practices. I saw Arkansas is only taking advantage of seven practices. Uh, Florida, I think, only took advantage of, of eight practices. So that means that the player's missing because, again, Florida is supposed to be a blue blood. So guys go to Florida, they go, I'm not starting, I'm hitting Florida. I'm gone, I'm out. Well, I didn't play the whole, oh, yeah, you're a partial starter. I'm hitting Florida, I'm gone. I'm a five star. I need I need to play. Well, whatever. I need to get in the NFL. Blah, blah. So neighbor is dealing with that. Then the boosters and the new kids coming in. He's focused on next year. And maybe getting out of this yep. game. Two offensive guys going over. So defensive are going to be depleted and tired in the second half. Right. So the last yep. game of the day, I kind of liked it. Hey, the money you make right now is is green. As the NFL money you make tomorrow. For fantasy money. Money's just as great. Uh, it's rice plus seven over 45. I like plus seven. Uh, even the rice, you see five and seven football teams. They got into a bowl because we're enough bowl teams. So they'll go teams that are six and six, five and seven. We'll be the five and seven teams with the best academic record. And Rice is pretty much close to an Ivy League school. It's yep. one of those schools, you know, some others like Vanderbilt, they call it Harvard of the South, Ivy League of the South. 
Their coach is a Harbaugh disciple. Run the ball, three tight ends. Uh, we start spring practice in the middle of February, and uh, we're gonna lift. So we're gonna have a big, you know, big football team. Uh, they're gonna run it a lot. That's why the total you see at under forty-five of teams. We're running the ball a lot, and just like the Harbaugh family, they do not do well as favorites. They do well as underdogs. Right, and the reason this game will go over because it's a bowl game. Gotta think Southern Miss or Rice is gonna have some sort of trick play, some sort of special teams play. And again, these are developmental programs, so they took advantage of the 15 practices because they need to develop players. These are guys, these are, uh, programs. We're gonna have Alabama where guys are gonna be there two, three years. These are programs who are now with uh, the the transfer portal. With uh, medical richer, fake medical Richards, right? And then uh, just an extra redshirt year they're giving kids. Kids could be at a Southern Miss or a Rice for six years. So they're taking advantage of those 15 practices. Uh, and since those guys have been there forever, smart guys are putting extra wrinkles in there on special teams. And this, that, and the other to get this over 45 for us. I think I get a return of the mean for what, uh, what happened, um, with the first game with, uh, not Troy, but, um, uh, UAB, UAB, trend for UAB and, uh, UAB in Miami, Ohio. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger, keeping that program afloat, giving them millions of dollars a year. Uh, what do you think about that game? I got Rice plus seven over forty-five. So, in my college bowl experience that I watched, when a team is being big time underestimated, they play much much better. Right. Rice is five and seven. You don't see many five and seven teams make it into a college bowl game. Okay, a lot of those teams would be ha would be happy they're there. This team is well coached. Is going to be well coached. Is going to put in a couple of things that that Southern Miss has not seen. And everybody's picking Southern Miss to win this game. Everybody picks Southern Miss except two people, you and me. I'm I'm picking Rice to cover the spread. Right. possibly win this game, and I'm picking the over. I, I think Rice is going to show up and play really well in this game. I, I just think, you know, I, I did some research, but I, I'm they have a good wide receiver. They have some good backs, nothing spectacular, good, solid backs, but the pedigree of the coach with the hot bars leans me toward going that way. So that's the way I'm going. I'm going Rice and the over. And I, and I even think I would sprinkle some on Rice to win the game because I'm sure they're getting big time plus odds on this. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think Rice, Rice is going to show up and play really well in this game because nobody expects him to. So. And part of the top 10 rules of betting is um, 
never bet a team you have not seen play. And it's yeah. easy these days to see somebody play. You put them on YouTube, put in, you know, their last game. Sometimes it'll be condensed. Sometimes you can watch the whole last game of that team play. And all these teams, right. all these people telling you pound the pound the seven points in Southern Miss. How many of them have seen Southern Miss play this year? Right, right. And, and everybody's no, I, like, I would Exactly. Really, nobody should be going anyways, other than you and I who are doing the research. But if you haven't researched this game, don't bet one way or the other. Don't be, don't be just because somebody told you Southern Miss and it sounds right. Oh yeah, Southern Miss is good. Yeah. Do your research. So I'm glad that everybody's going one way because we're going to make money going the other way. We like Rice plus the seven, and you like the over 45. Uh, 45 is the average of an NFL game. These are college kids. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, other than the USC game, because I'm looking, at, I'm looking at their results now. USC and Charlotte, right? Well, they beat these Cowboys 52-10. They beat Louisiana 33-21. They beat UAB, who just won a bowl game 28-24. So this team can put points up. There's no yeah, doubt. They can over, that's an over game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So that takes you to, through to today. Then we got some NFL games that we already gave you, and I put them on Twitter. In arbitrage, right? You bet 10 or more games. Uh, Ten more outcomes because in arbitrage, when you buy in and out ten stocks in the same sector, which football is the same sector, college football games the same sector, you take advantage of market inefficiencies. And then again, that's one of those investment strategies people have gotten rich doing, taking advantage of a market inefficiency. Taxis were too expensive. So Uber came along and took advantage of that market inefficiency with Uber. We create, Scott and I create a market inefficiency with the length of time we've been watching football, 100 years. <laughs> and then we're researching what's going on now. So we could create a market inefficiency with that as we break down the game. And then, right, eliminate variables and co-variables to get a result. A variable in our favor is that we notice somebody going all the other way on a random, obscure team like Southern Miss, who Brett Favre played for them 40 years ago. So, but we go to December 20th. So we'll go all the way up until December 28th. And then on the 29th, we'll do another podcast with uh, whatever games are going on the 29th. Maybe the first game we'll have it on Twitter. The rest of the games we'll have it on the podcast and post them on Twitter for that day. And then the 30th, of course, the end, the total end of bowl season, including the playoffs. Right? We'll have that. And then we could do maybe a five or ten minute podcast on the national title game. Absolutely. Went for that. All right. Uh, so December 20th, yeah, the San Jose State Spartans out of the Mountain West, right? Uh, again, all these teams I've seen play, teams that uh, I don't remember or I couldn't read the notes. I put them on YouTube and watched their last game. Uh, I read up, read up on them a little bit. 
That includes San Jose State. San Jose State, their coach is another Harbaugh guy. So we talk about the Harbaugh Mafia family, football Mafia family, and the Belichick Mafia family. They only recruit guys from their families, right? They only recruit guys from their families. Uh, they give people jobs from their families, like the defensive coordinator for the Ravens. It's also the defensive coordinator for the Michigan Wolverines, right? Uh, Harbaugh, coaching in Michigan, the brother, John, at the Ravens. So they go back and forth. All these guys know each other, trade each other jobs. They see guys at San Jose State, work for Rice, vice versa. They all work as a network. The Belichick people do this well. And they got their tentacles in college. And then when Scott and I do the NFL podcast, it all comes together. Uh, NFL draft, which that's how we met. We sat down for the NFL draft to break this yep. down. That's why you can live in Vegas for 59%, and we want to be at 70%. We can do that because you notice all the work we're putting in. Right. So that leads us to corporate governance that we talked about, treated the basis for earlier. Uh, San Jose State, hardball guy. That's why I like the under 54. I like San Jose State. They'll be very prepared. All these hardballs are very prepared. So they can uh, get jobs with other Harbaugh's <laughs> in the future. So all these guys are very prepared. Eastern Michigan, uh, they have a great coach who does more with less. He always has an upset in the non-conference season with no players. He upset Arizona State this year. Uh, but big difference in Bricciano from the Belichick Mafia family made a comment. I probably wants to take it back. He can't, but he made a comment. What he really feels. He says the Midwestern kids don't get the work out the West Coast or Southern kids get outside all day versus having to work out and run sprints inside of a gym and running bleachers. Scott knows about that up there in the Northeast. So we got diversity here. So he says that West Coast, Southern kids have an advantage. I think it's more in a bowl game like this, where you have, you know, your zero to three stars on both sides. On average, San Jose State's going to have better athletes than Eastern Michigan. And then Eastern Michigan, being developmental, they have to do a lot of recruiting. Make sure they get somebody in there. San Jose State, California, a lot of recruits, a lot of people. I think they're in better shape. So for all those reasons, going up there to the Potato Bowl, Idaho, I like San Jose State minus four, and I like it under the 54 uh, because just Eastern Michigan doesn't have players. Style San Jose State will play. They will run the ball, but keep the ball in the middle of the field, keep the clock running because they don't have a ton of depth. They want to keep their defense fresh. Uh, And San Jose State will beat up. Uh, Eastern Michigan win this game 34-14, which would be San Jose State minus the four, under 54. What do you think, Scott? Well, by the way, before I go into the analysis, the Colts are up 30 to nothing on Minnesota. Right. <laughs> Second quarter. Cross fiction. We're totally completely off on that game, but all we can hope yeah. now is that uh, O'Connell shuts it down the second half and we keep right. our under. <laughs> right. right. Agreed. 
Um, where you've been all the games. Play, where you've been all the games. Yeah. Yeah. Pace of play in this game is going to be very slow, I think. And that and that favors the the team that has the coach that again has the pedigree as the San Jose State uh, stuff does. Right. So I like San Jose State in this game. You know, four and seven against the spread. Four and eleven. Four out of their eleven games out went over. Right. So seven of eleven games went under. So that that tells you they're an under team. Wait, wait for you to pick the under. Um, same with Eastern Michigan. Five out of their, their 12 games went over. So they're an under team. The four, Eastern Michigan's six and six against the spread. Um, I don't like their their um, their personnel. I don't right. think they match very well with San Jose State in this game. I think San Jose State's going to, again, another team's going to run the heck out of the ball. The offensive line is going to dominate this game. And that's huge in the bowl. So I agree with you, San Jose State and the over. I mean, and the under in this game, rather. I, I think that uh, pedigree is a big thing. And when these spreads are close, as we talk about with the NFL thing, Harbaugh has a spread that's close. It's usually Harbaugh that's winning, winning and covering that spread. So I'm in agreement with you in this game, too. So. Right. Harbaugh wins as a dog does not win as a favorite. Um, exactly. So San Jose State minus four under fifty four. Now I guess still watching on a live stream, you can wait for halftime to be over and then bet Minnesota second half line. And yeah. anybody on Podbean, you see uh, folks here on Podbean have any questions? Let us know. Okay. Uh, the next game is you got Toledo with a very well respected head coach. Um, I was trying to keep up on it. It just changes hour to hour. I believe that the guy at Toledo is still there. I know he's being recruited by different people for different programs. But Toledo had Matt Campbell, who went to uh, Iowa State, had a great career. Toledo's a good spot for talent. Ohio one of the top five, six states for uh, high school football. So there's a lot of depth in high school football in Ohio. You know, you go Ohio State, you go Cincinnati, and Toledo's trying to be that third team in Ohio, third option for a kid who maybe uh, is a five-star kid, thinks he's a five-star, four-star, and uh, Cincinnati doesn't want him, and Ohio State doesn't want him. He wants to stay in-state, he can go to Toledo. So you got a nice little program there. Uh, the team they're playing... Uh, Liberty, their head coach went to Auburn and took all the coaches. So I'm going to keep pounding this until it stops not making money. Uh, teams that lose their coaches do not cover. Liberty uh, started doing that when uh, Hugh Freeze was talking to Auburn. Okay. And here comes Mara. Um, Mara beats him. Covers the spread. We made money on that. And then we made money on New Mexico State. New Mexico State has no players. Uh, New Mexico State is basically a high school team. They're in a bowl. <laughs> Just because, you know, they beat, they beat up on inferior um, programs. There's no way these programs can beat on New Mexico State at the level they're at. And the coach they have, Pearl, who used to be in Minnesota. So New Mexico State goes in there and beats them 49-14. I don't see them having anything 
uh, and the Mac Nieces went badly. It's going to be the only game on. The Mac might go into extinction. They need as much PR as possible in Boca Raton. Uh, Liberty, I don't think they want to be there in the second half. So Boca Raton is going to be hot and humid. So I like Toledo. Maybe Toledo second half line. We'll take a look at that. Uh, under the 54 picks, I don't think Liberty is going to score during any offense at all. They don't have any players or coaches. New coaches from Coastal Carolina, and the man has to be out there recruiting in a program like Liberty. He can't be messing around trying to come up with game plans and stuff. He's got to just take this, take the money for the for the bowl game, have some walkthroughs, uh, you know, score maybe 10 points, but it'll, it'll be under. I like Toledo, minus four, under 54. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, Hugh Freeze leaving is a, a huge hit for that program at Liberty. Um, I think he's a, he's a good coach. I think Auburn would not hire him if he wasn't a good coach. Right. Um, their their against spread numbers are just awful, awful down the stretch of the season. That pretends into the bowl game here. Toledo's five and all, you know, five and all. Their last five versus independent opponents. Liberty's an independent opponent. Right. Toledo plays very well against independents. They will play well again here. Um, you know, I like Toledo and I like the under. And I would look at the Liberty team total points and see what that is. I don't know what it is. But if that's anywhere like 17, I would definitely go under on that one as well. So right. I, I love Toledo. Again, another team I love in the spot, which is Toledo and the under. Even if the coach leaves, he's not leaving until after this bowl game is over. He's probably not talking to anybody right now because he's focused in on this bowl game. So right. if he leaves, it's going to be well after the bowl game is over and you know, well before the major part of recruiting starts to take shape here for them. So, so a guy in this situation versus a guy in a blue blood school, maybe who's given the job, Lane Kitfin guy. This guy's a different animal. This guy wins a MAC championship with no players. So that means he is dedicated to football. He's football 24 7. And the fact that he's getting really good job offers, millions of dollars, because he's, I think he's already getting like, Five to six hundred thousand dollars as a head coach in the MAC. So that's why they're throwing millions of dollars at him because they wanted to pay him two million dollars to be a coordinator, right? At a power five school versus five hundred thousand being a head coach in Toledo. The fact that he's not said anything means that this is the most talent he's had and this is the most talent he's developed. Exactly. And he wants to see it through here in this beatable team like Liberty. Either way, you can exactly. was there. It was a, it's a beatable team. Absolutely. No question. No, no question. And then, but I think the Hugh, I think the Hugh Freeze, the, yeah, Hugh Freeze departure is, is just an enormous hit for that program. Just enormous. Okay. So. so. All right. So that's that. That's uh, Wednesday. You know, that, yeah, that is Tuesday, December the 20th. Then on in a lot of making money, uh, both seasons organization and research. Right, this is a lot for the bookmakers to keep track of. You got us. We've been NFL games all year. Oh no, those guys are on again. Oh no. Yeah, we, we create a market inefficiency. We make yeah. money. So, Western Kentucky. 
and their head coach at Western Kentucky is Tyson Hilton. So in the first year of the podcast, we had a wide receiver from Houston Baptist who played with Zappy, backup quarterback for uh, New England. They all Houston Baptist guys with um, Kitty, who's now the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech, went to Western Kentucky. So that's why I know the inside on Western Kentucky. Tyson Helton is the brother, I call him Gomer Helton, which is Clay Helton, the head coach at USC, who's now the head coach at Georgia Southern. Going against South Alabama, South, South Alabama have UCLA beat. They should have beaten UCLA. They just choked on a fourth down play. They should have gone to. They messed up a fake field goal. They probably should have just hit the field goal to keep a big lead. Uh, and the fake was open, too. So they, both things, they should have not choked on the fake or kicked the field goal. Either way, they beat UCLA. They're a 10-2 team in the fun belt. Fun belt is a good brand, very good coaches, very good players in the fun belt. They are 10 and 2. Western Kentucky, uh, basic year for them. Uh, 8 and 5 coming out of Conference USA. Conference USA is disbanding. So it's going to be hard for him to keep everything together uh, at Western Kentucky. So, uh, big game for them. I just think this game is going to be a close game to the end. Uh, And I like the over 56 points. Because you got two risk-taking offensive guys. Uh, Alabama, South Alabama probably wins the game, but I like uh, Western Kentucky uh, to cover four points. What do you think, Scott? And over the 50 Yeah, I, I like the over, and I, I do like Western Kentucky in this spot, too. Um, when they're, you know, their games go over, half their games have gone over this year. Um, right. You know, seven of the twelve for South Alabama have hit the over. So these teams can score in in a multitude of situations. Western Kentucky is two and one against the spread as a five point four and a half to five point underdog. That bodes very well for Western Kentucky because Western Kentucky can play the style that can keep the game very very close. Right. Can make the coaching adjustments at halftime. If the game is a touchdown game at halftime. Western Kentucky can go in, make the adjustments, come out. They're a much better second half team. I looked at a lot of a lot of their stats, a lot of their box scores, a lot of their players and stuff like that. And I watched I watched a couple of second half, third quarters, first drives out, and they right. do a phenomenal job at reading defenses and knowing where to get the ball into a weakness in their defense. So Western Kentucky is a very well coached team. I like them a lot. I think they're gonna cover the spread. And I think it's going over because I, I just think that both teams, as you said, offensively gifted coach coaching staffs, and will uh, will take advantage, full advantage of that. So, okay. uh, both Clay's and Tyson's father's Kim Helton, which is the head coach at Houston, uh, and Clay actually played for uh, Kim Helton when he was head coach at Manchester. So that's why they're very well, well coached, and they know how to make second half adjustments because they've been in the coaching, profession, culture their whole lives. So they go Western Kentucky plus a four over fifty six. December twenty first, 
on a Thursday, you got Air Force plus six, under 48 points. Uh, Air Force runs the triple option. Uh, Baylor, their coach is Aranda. Uh, Aranda's a map. Not Matt Rule guy, he's a Gary Alvarez zone guy. Zone guy taught taught that Gary Alvarez was he was a coordinator, I believe, with Tommy Carter won the national championship with Notre Dame, nineteen ninety two, Lou Holtz. That zone defense is that that's what Baylor does. That's how Miranda's making two million dollars a year. More than that, he's making like five million dollars a year as the Baylor head coach as the LSU defensive coordinator, the Joe Burrow year when he won the national title, he was making two million as a defensive coach coaching that zone. You're like, Josh, what does that have to do with me making money on Thursday the 21st? Is that zone means under first got knocked. <laughs> if a guy knows how to play really good zone, <laughs> maybe if the game's going under either basketball or football. And that's what this guy does on blitz, trying to make mistakes. Air Force runs a triple option. So Usually bet thousand dollars each game. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bet seven hundred and fifty dollars on Air Force plus the six points by the half half point, and then I'm going to take uh, twelve thousand, not twelve thousand, twelve hundred fifty dollars, and put it on the under forty nine zone plus triple option plus uh, Baylor trying to get a quarterback for next year out there recruiting. You're going to default to what they do best, which is defense. Try to stop that triple option. Triple option, they know they're developmental, right? The Air Force Service Academy, they know they need to keep the clock running. They know they need to snap the ball with one or two seconds left of the clock. Keep the ball in the middle of the field. Military, you're disciplined. They're not going out of bounds. You got to stay in bounds, shorten the game, keep this game under. 49, and usually when it's that side of the dog covers, because a three-point lead for Baylor, that's it, the game's over. For them, it's like a 20-point lead, because the man makes $5 million coaching defense. <laughs> He's like, my defense is going to dominate Trump down. I'm the $5 million man. I'm going to shut him down with my defense. Three-point lead is a 20-point lead. Don't take any chances. Don't throw it. Run it first and second down, and then throw it on third if you have. Run it again. Run it back. Let's get out of here. Let's go back to the recruiting trail. So, on Thursday, December 21st, I got Air Force plus six under 48. What do you think, Scott? So, here's my conspiracy theory, my first one. This is the Armed Forces. This is the Armed Forces ball. Air Force. Air Force is in the services. Come on, really? Bale is really going to win this game? I don't think so. Um, I agree with you. You know, I, I totally agree with you. Zone defense. There will not be a ton of plays down the field. Air Force will not throw the ball more than probably 12 times in this game. They do what they do. They run that triple triple wishbone, triple threat offense to perfection. They do it really well, and they're really good at it. So, you know, they're 5-1 straight up in their last six. They're 4-1 against the spread in the last five in December. They know how to play in December, late in the season, and into the bowl season. They absolutely know how to do that. Baylor, on the other hand, you know, 13 and 7 straight up in the last 20 games, 7 and 1 last eight against the spread played in December. They have not played a team like Air Force who runs the ball consistently and puts pressure on you. And what does 
running the ball do runs the clock. Exactly. So Air Force plus the six would not be surprised they win this game and the under in this game. This is going to be a good old-fashioned 20-17 to 17 type of game. It's going to be close. Air Force is going to cover or be on the right side of the win. So I love Air Force in this game. So Right. you got to look at those bully calls now. They're talking about security. Uh, Air, Force is, well, Air Force is going to get the call. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 100%. No doubt. Perhaps the same with, you know, Josh, conspiracy theory, guy, decision time as well. Uh, we'll have rules of evidence. I'll put that in the episode notes that we do for um, for the Austin podcast. We have rules of evidence, video evidence, uh, court records that we based um, our conclusions of what might be a, a conspiracy theory. And the thing about us that our opinions are different than what you hear in mainstream media. Mainstream media, guys get paid up front. And they get paid if their opinion is correct or incorrect. Scott and I only get paid if we're correct consistently. We maintain relationships if we're consistently profitable in our opinions. So when we say conspiracy theory, it is something you have evidence for. It consistently makes us money, <laughs> right? And now we're just throwing stuff out there. We're things that consistently information uh, that consistently makes us uh, money. That's our definition of a conspiracy theory. Yeah. And well, no matter how far a conspiracy theory is, most of the time they're based on some sort of truth. And then people get carried away with it. Right, so we move on to December 23rd on a Friday. And I like uh, in the last hurrah for a lot of uh, Houston seniors uh, in the Independence Bowl. I like the minus seven over Louisiana first year coach, depleted coach, uh, depleted team, uh, coach at uh, Florida. He was a coach of Louisiana and took all the best players and all the best coaches, Billy Napier. So now they're left with the remnants of it. Uh, they just don't have, it's going to be similar to that Florida State game where they lost uh, 49 to 17. Uh, even though Houston's in transition to the Big 12, they just have more of a program, more players paid for by Tillman Fertetta, who we talked about in North Texas. Just going to have more players, more incentives than Louisiana for Louisiana to be able to keep up with them. So I like Houston minus seven, uh, under 58 points, because Louisiana is a team built on that big offensive line. There are a couple of guys stayed. Uh, they go with Napier. They wanted to stay there, but they're not going to be able to recruit at that level. Uh, a lot of people like Louisiana because they cover the spread. 20 games in a row when Napier was there. And we took advantage of that. <laughs> Almost every step of the way with Louisiana. Those days are over. So I like uh, Houston minus seven uh, under the 58. What do you think, Scott? First of all, he went 2-0 and in the Louisville game. So congratulations. Louisville won 24-7. So but even under goal, and, and they kind of so. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
Louisa has not faced a team with as much firepower on offense as Houston. Houston yeah. can come at you in waves, and that's a big thing. And, and I don't think Louisiana's defense is going to be able to stabilize uh, and help Louisiana's offense out. I think Louisiana's going to give up a boatload of points here. Not enough to go over the spread. I mean, over the number. So oh, yeah. I like Houston in this game. I just think everything that everything that you you read and look at and research goes goes toward Houston and away from Louisiana. Um, Houston plays in a much better conference. Houston plays better competition. Houston has better athletes on offense and defense than Louisiana. So, you know, the research doesn't have to be done in this game to pick Houston in this situation. So I'm picking Houston. Uh, they can win by two touchdowns in this game for sure. So I like them over Louisiana pretty handily. And I, and I like – I'm going to say it stays under. That's what I think, because I don't know how much Louisiana is going to be able to score points in this game. So right, right. They have that big lumbering offense, but they basically have to run it first and second down, and then throw it a third yeah. down. So that's going to be very, very uh, predictable for the Houston on the level they're at to predict what they're going to do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They're going to make Louisiana one dimensional in this game for sure. So or try to. Right, so that's that's the first game that day. Then you have the quintessential Duval Mountain team, right? You have uh, Blue Bloods and Duval Mountain teams, and who are the better Duval Mountain teams? Coach Clawson at Wake Forest uh, is probably the best Duval Mountain coach out there. Uh, he runs uh, that that's the mesh offense that's now everybody's copying, where each because you have plays, you have series of plays, you have packages, and you have whole offenses. Each series, he runs a different offense. And he mixes offense. So he'll run the wishbone one series, he'll run the wing T the next series. And this is running football, so they'll pass out of those formations. Uh, he'll have the air raid one series, and then he'll run, have the run and shoot one series, a different variation. So every series that they come out on offense, it's a different offense. So you have to do things like that. We have a developmental team, a lot of six, seven-year guys on this team uh, who work out on a specific task. It's a football-related task. So then we have a really good developmental team. Uh, they have and with a program like that, you need a uh, veteran quarterback. And they always have a veteran quarterback lying around, regardless if the starter's going to go to the NFL. Uh, their opponent is out of the SEC, just got a new contract. Eli Jerkowitz, you're Missouri Tigers. And people, just because in the SEC, they overbet the SEC. Uh, two offensive coaches going at each other in a bowl game. Um, see what. I'm going to buy myself out of that as I think about it. I'm going to go over 61 now because it's two offensive guys going against each other in a bowl game. Um, Missouri has to focus on recruiting. He's in the SEC. They play Georgia every year. Uh, and they have to, he, he, this guy eventually, I don't know how his buyout is because he just got a new contract. People were shocked because he's never had a winning record here. Uh, this is the first time they get to a bowl game. 
uh, he's going to be out coached because he hasn't coached bowl games like Boston has. And he has had to focus on recruiting in the portal, which guys are leaving, which guys are coming, which guys are going to the NFL, all that stuff. The really the Wake Forest has had to do that, but like because they're developmental. Most of the guys, 99% of the guys are gonna be doctors, lawyers, going getting MBAs, getting into business, going back doing the dad's business, farm mom's business, whatever, going back to their hometowns, doing whatever. Not going to the NFL. Missouri guys want to get to the NFL. So their head coaches had a lot of um, headaches. Also, uh, Missouri's lost some coordinators too. Two other jobs. So again, the coaching thing, Wake Forest has more stable staff, coach with a winning record in bowl games at Wake Forest, and they know how to play teams with better talent than them, higher level teams on a, in a bowl game situation. Boston knows how to do that. So all that to say, as a result of that, I like Wake Forest plus one over six and one. What do you think, Scott? So Wake Forest for seven games, they did not score under 31 points in the game. Right. That shows you the explosiveness and offense. And and they took Clemson the double overtime loss fifty one forty five. They put forty five. What 45. that shows on Clemson. So what that shows me is they have versatility on offense, explosiveness on offense, can strike at any time from anywhere on the field. That's a dangerous team. I think we yeah. talked about the, in the preseason ACC. I, I was high on Wake Forest. I thought Wake Forest could, could win nine or ten games, and they won. A seven, I think they were seven and five, so they fell just short. But it, so it's had not because one, yeah, two, three, four close losses. Yeah, so they're four yep. plays away from being 11 and one, 11 and one, and possibly, possibly in, a, in the talk for, for a playoff spot. So, right. um, they're a very explosive team, as I said, they will. Score a lot of points. They will score in the high 30s, low 40s in this game. Missouri, good SEC team, not great, not bad, middle of the pack. They just can't beat those top echelon teams in the right. SEC. And that, and that, to me, speaks on their recruiting. They right. need to get better and step it up in recruiting. And and they need to find some athletes that can compete with the Alabamas, Georgias, you know, and, and who knows what Auburn becomes with Hugh Freeze now. So right. um, I love Wake Forest. You know, they play good competition. Missouri played good competition. But Wake Forest, again, is the more explosive team in this game and the more versatile team. So give me Wake Forest in that situation. And I agree with you. This is going over. This could be 70 points easily. Yeah, two offensive coaches coming at each other. Missouri just going to quit trying to score. Yeah. Right? Then they got to quit trying to score. Uh, so that's. I the, think Wake, Wake Forest could take the, the oomph out of Missouri, the wind out of Missouri's sails, so to speak, by just hitting some long plays. So. Right. And another thing to look at is that uh, they're making a big deal about it, uh, but the SEC screwed up, and now they're scrambling. Because even though they have 
uh, Texas and Oklahoma coming down. The three billion dollar contract they got with ESPN is not as much as Fox is giving the Big Ten. The Big yeah. Ten is getting twice as much, You're getting six billion for that time. That's why they added. Uh, you know, that's why they added USC and UCLA. Okay. So, watch for them to build up Missouri. And as a result of that, people go on their apps and bet that lineup. Because at first it was plus one. Uh, Wake Forest now seeing some plus one, some plus one uh, Wake Forest, which is what we want to do. Yeah, so to get that out to, to, to plus four, plus five Wake Forest. Uh, you're getting so badly when they talk about from Eddie Fraud, I, I, I pinned it on my. I told you from NBA what value is. So from an NBA standpoint, marketing and efficiency standpoint, that for me is value. And take exactly. it right into marketing inefficiency because Wake Forest would be probably favoring minus six minus seven. But everything's going no on. doubt, no doubt. Yeah, all right. Last game on December the 23rd, Friday, uh, Christmas Eve, Eve. Uh, uh, I forgot the mascot, but actually, Coach Stockhill, a chance. This is the first coach chance had in college. Middle Tennessee State. Uh, very nice campus there. Uh, coach Stockhill's been there 27 years. So, when you talk about nostalgia, this is a big game for him. He knows this is probably the last bowl game he'll be out there. He knows how to get whatever team ready to play. Uh, they beat Miami earlier in the year, you know, and then they lose to a random team next year. And we and we predicted that during the season, right? Because that's the team he has. He has guys with really bad grades who committed crimes at other universities. Uh, you know, they give go to Tennessee State for the last chance. So it's always a wild team, wild up and down team. But you can. Make the kids concentrate for one. I'm sure you had those teams in high school. <laughs> we had those kids who could concentrate for one game. They're all over the place every game, but you had one game, you had a rival, you had it's a game that you knew that if you try to get them up for the next five games, they wouldn't listen to you. But that one game, Absolutely. the kids have ADD or whatever, this one game you can get them to concentrate on. Uh, and that's a bowl game from Milton State. They probably have just as good talent as San Diego State. Coach uh, Hope at San Diego State. Uh, so always better be lucky than good. He was fired from NFL jobs. Uh, he got he did well at both at Golf State, but to San Diego State did really good. But that's because he had Rocky Long as his defensive coordinator. He leaves. Rocky Long keeps the program the same. Hope gets fired at Michigan. Goes works for Rivera, Carolina. Gets fired. Gets fired at San Francisco. Fails forward to become defensive coordinator at San Diego State and has steadily, steadily, because I'm down here, I'm actually for years was San Diego State season ticket holder, has steadily, steadily, steadily declined the program. And all the wins he's had this year have been mediocre wins. Yes. Toledo, Toledo was focused on the MAC title, which they got. They just traveled for a paycheck to come here. 
1714 cash that ticket. Hawaii is a bad Juco team. Same thing for Nevada. First year coaches, transfer portal, Juco guys. UNLV fired their coach. San Jose State was depleted when they got there. And New Mexico is a Juco team. So they really have no decent wins this year. They should not be favored by a touchdown over any team, including a team that uh, Scott and I put together on a fly. <laughs> you would favor a plus seven. Uh, under 50, since San Diego State has to run the ball, hope it's an offensive line coach, offensive line coach by trade. So there's going to be a lot of running in this game. Coach Stockhill, Southern guy, uh, close to 27 years of running in Hawaii. So give me Middle Tennessee State plus seven and under 50, about the half point to get under 50. What do you think, Scott? So I I agree with you. I mean, when I do my research, the first thing I do is look at schedules and look at scores. I didn't see anything that would lead me to San Diego State being favored by seven, as you said. They're 117th in offense in the nation. And their top forty defense, yeah. but their top forty. But the their schedule is very weak, as you said. Hawaii they barely beat. Toledo is on the schedule. I mean, there's there's schools on there that just are not good at all. So, I like Middle Tennessee State. I think Middle Tennessee State is much more. Uh, they have much more continuity on offense than San Diego State. San Diego yeah. State's a hit and miss offensive team. Um, defensively, I like Middle Tennessee State. I think their philosophy is very sound. I think they'll uh, they'll cause many many problems with San Diego State's quarterback. I think they'll get after him, pressure him. I think they'll put him on the run. He'll have to roll out. He'll have to play, you know, a game that he's not used to playing. I think Middle Tennessee State wins this game. I really do. I think they, they win this game by at least a touchdown. So when I'm betting this game, I will sprinkle some on the on the money line with Middle, Middle Tennessee State, some on the plus seven, and and a lot on the under. So I'll go I'll go like two fifty. You know, if I'm betting a thousand, it's two fifty, five hundred, two fifty. That's the way I would go with this. That's the way I would go. I've been working with you two years, so yeah. if you say that. I know that uh, I better put 250 on plus 220 because Scott said it. <laughs> I learned that from 52 years with you. Yeah. You know, Middle Tennessee State's just the better team in this situation. They, yeah. They're just the better team. And for San Diego, somebody in Vegas messed up with this line to have plus or seven in San Diego. You're like, okay. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to bowl season, it's going to be, this is going to be December. Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, there's going to be people at the casino who don't have family yeah. going to be there for Christmas, and they're spending a vacation at the sports book. And what do they do? They bet favorites and overs. So this game is priced for Vegas to get 80% of the tickets on the over, because it's 49 a little total for college, and on San Diego State. We yeah. want to be at 20%, right? We're going to have those 80% of people pay us 20%, get the 80 20 bull back there with the book, uh, to get Middle Tennessee State. So if Middle Tennessee State loses by a field goal, we still make money on the game. Because we won 20 new Yep. 
Okay. All right. So that's Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. The next game will be Monday, December 26th. So there'll be Christmas Day, there'll be NFL. So right there, we'll take a break and we'll go to NFL. I feel a lot of money coming in as the luck factor kind of comes our way. And then learning from our mistakes, picking every game. The more you do something, the better you get at it. Right? Great. So every day, man, the 12 days of football, every single day of football, will be football games to learn from. And then you learn a lot from schemes, right? 425, 325s, air raid, slow mesh, the mesh. You learn a lot about this bleeds into the NFL. Because uh, a lot of guys know each other, a lot of NFL guys watch college bowl games. Uh, Bowling Green, I like a minus four, over 48 points. And that's going to be uh, Monday, December the 26th. And Bowling Green is going against New Mexico State, which the aforementioned, they have zero wins, really. Uh, the first year coach, Farrell, who shouldn't be coaching. The man has had two seizures on the sidelines, had a heart attack on the sidelines. Uh, in Minnesota, they wouldn't even let him coach in Minnesota. On the sidelines, because they brought in a helicopter to bring him to the hospital to, you know, to resuscitate him. Because he actually really died on the sidelines. Have no idea how he got hired in New Mexico State without a liability to clear. Uh, they did not beat a legitimate team this season. They have a bunch of Juco transfers. Basically, this is a Juco team. Uh, that win against Liberty... Got to put an asterisk there because Liberty had no players or coaches because few freeze left. Valparaiso is an FBS Division II team. Lamar, Division II. UMass, you don't like UMass up there. They're basically <laughs> a, a Division II team. New Mexico, basically a Juco team. Hawaii, Juco team. They have no wins. Yeah. And Bully Green, I remember them earlier in the season. Uh, at halftime, they were tied against UCLA. So they, they have legitimate players. They made a bowl game. They're with against Marshall, which beat Notre Dame. Akron. Akron was a horrible team. Miami, Ohio was on yesterday, made a bowl game. Uh, Central Michigan, Jim McElwain, always has a decent team. Western Michigan, uh, decent team. And then Toledo. They beat Toledo 42-35. Toledo won the MAC. Big game for the MAC here. They have to win it. Quick lane bowl. It's almost like a setup by the MAC because they have to win this game. The game on that day is in Detroit. And I think Detroit's trying to kick him out of them having a bowl game. So they need a big win and they need to sell this win. Sorry, New Mexico State, you're getting no call. This might even be, if I was going to bet 25% of bankroll on one, it would be Bowling Green in this game. These are the games you bet heavy on. Not these NFL games or big-time college championship games. It's games like this where it's a setup. I see no way New Mexico State wins this game. Uh, <coughs> I see no way in this game gets over 48 points. So I'm going to put $1,000 on the under. 
I'm going to put 500 bucks on well, we're actually going to put 750 bucks. We're going to put a little more on uh, Bowling Green. They're only at 180 right now on the money line. And then uh, I'll put the rest on Bowling Green minus four. What do you think, Scott? So I do a college football pool with um with an with a friend of mine. Yeah. First game I picked was bowling green over New Mexico State. <laughs> and here's why. Do you realize the last game of the year they played was against Nevada, who was one in ten and they lost to Nevada. They do not have a win against a quality opponent or anywhere near a team you could call quality. They, I watched a little bit of the New Mexico State tape. I had to turn it off quick. I, I couldn't stand watching them. They're, they're they have the real, first tournament I've ever seen, high school or yeah, yeah. They they have the they have one of the worst offenses in college football this year by far. Bowling Green will win this game by ten points at least. And Bowling and New Mexico State will not score more than seven points, ten points. Right. So I love bowling again. This, that's the the thing of this this show, this podcast. L- loving teams in great situations. Bowling Green is in a great situation here. They got a really good opponent for them to win and beat. Right. Give me Bowling Green and give me the under. Yeah, and it's, it's a big. Um, Big game for that coach. That coach is best friends with Tom Brady because they were both college quarterbacks, uh, roommates at Michigan. With Lloyd Carr days, all his career, his personal Brady's personal quarterback coach, blah blah blah. So big game for him. I think move forward yep. for him to yep. sell this win for his career and for the Mac because the Mac's about it's about to be dissolved with uh, everything going on in. 60-14, like, super confidence, 12-team playoff. It's a big game for them to keep themselves relevant. They have to win that game. They can't. <clears throat> it's almost, they don't have to blow out New Mexico State. That's what it seems like. All right. Thank you to spell P-I-C-T-A-C-S. Says he's enjoying all our takes. And he's saying that the sound is good on Podbean, which Podbean people are saying that the, live, the regular podcast was fine. The live stream was off last time, but uh, our friend here is enjoying all our takes. The same as the sound is good. So thank you very much for that. I don't have to worry about that. Uh, thank you. Tuesday, December 27th. Uh, we got three games. So the fight continues. Uh, Memphis, big game for them out of the American. They have a lot of players. They underachieved this season. They thought there were a team that maybe could make the playoffs. Uh, they have a lot of talent in that area, the Tennessee area, a lot of money. Their their benefactor is Fred Smith, who is a multi-billionaire owner of FedEx. He funds the athletics program, the football program. That's why they have Penny Hardaway. So when you get into college basketball, you look at Penny Hardaway in Memphis. 
uh, to cover brands and make money for us. Uh, then they have one, two, three, four, five close losses on a six to 16. So they're five plays away from being 11 and one, okay? Three plays away from being nine and three. Going against Utah, uh, going against, make sure I have this right. Going against Utah, Utah State. Yep, so better favorites. I put it there wrong. Uh, they should cover easily. Again, all these teams I've seen playing, these teams I've seen play multiple times. I saw, never, anyway, time flies. Uh, this day last year, I was at the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl watching Chance in Oregon State play Utah State. Now they're in the first responder boat in Texas. Huge talent gap. Uh, there's no reason why Memphis should not blow them out. And just because of the style and philosophy of Blake Anderson, Utah State coach, he recruits uh, wrestlers who are also quarterbacks in suburban high schools across the country. And that's how he gets his quarterbacks, because he wants a plus one quarterback guy that runs it all the way. There's a run first guy if you've ever seen that. So that leads towards the under 62. So Memphis is going to do that. You know, it, it's really like the array, but it's, it's, it's the running array, really. It's kind of spread, run fast, try to, you know, get the defense started in the second half type of team. So I like Memphis to win this game 38 uh, 14. Cover the seven points and keep this under. 62 is Utah State developmental program. The other 15 practices, two years of a two-year cycle. So their up cycle, right, for a development team was the Mount West Championship team I saw this year. Their down cycle is this year. So that means he took those 15 bowl practices to beat up his team. So, so because he wants to get them ready for winter lifting and then spring practice for next year. He doesn't care about this game. And when they looked at the talent level, there's no way they're beating Memphis anyways. They just want to run their plus one, get their couple touchdowns, make their fans happy, get out of there. Memphis, 38. Utah State, 14. That means for us, we cash as Memphis, minus seven, and we cash under the 62 points. What do you think, Scott? So I agree with you 100% both from Spock. Secondly, Memphis played a very tough schedule this year. They Played an extremely tough schedule. Get them ready for this this game on December twenty seventh or December twenty eighth. Utah State barely beat Hawaii. Okay, right. they lost to some teams. They lost to some teams. They had no business losing to. Right. They also they also they put up some points in some games, but in other games, you know, they got shut out by Alabama, which you you kind of knew was going to happen. Right. They thirty four twenty seven against Hawaii. They gave up 27 points to Hawaii. They gave up 20 points to UConn, who can't score 20 points by themselves, basically. But, no. So defensively, they're very challenged. They're, they're very, you know, they're not a great defensive team. Offensively, in some games, they're explosive. Other games, they're very challenged. Too inconsistent for my liking. So I, I like Memphis in this situation. I think Memphis has all the makings of, of a team that's gonna that's gonna put on a, uh, a clinic against Utah State. 
And I, I like the under. I agree with you. There's going to be a lot of running. Memphis is going to get up early, and they're going to do a Philadelphia Eagles, but just sit on the ball and run the ball. So that that's my take on this game. So. 100%. 100%. I like that. I like that a lot. So I can see now with the work we've done, uh, a lot of games picking themselves now. Definitely. Lot, yeah, a lot of value for us as sports bettors. Because uh, money in these bowl games are just as green as money in the NCAAs, the game playoffs, NFL, whatever. The money's just as green. Uh, Clay Helton, former coach at USC, Four-point favorites in Montgomery, Alabama. So we talked about the value equation in the first the podcast leading up to this uh, time and money. I think this is important. Right, travel this is in Montgomery, Alabama, playing Buffalo from the MAC. So uh, the max talent level is not the same level as the uh, Sunbelt. It's just more players in the South. Uh, Clay Helton's with his connections from USC. Got a lot of USC rejects, for lack of a better word. A lot of guys from his connection. His dad was a coach. Uh, his dad is a coach at Western Kentucky. So a lot of contacts for the first year to get players in there. They upset Nebraska at Nebraska. Uh, again, an inexperienced coach. Coastal Carolina, so they have one, two, three. Three close losses, so they should be they should be nine and three, right? Like we was against USC, Buffalo. They have to get on the recruiting trail. They need players. Uh, the travel going down to Montgomery, Alabama, shorter travel for Georgia Southern. They're in the South. Uh, Buffalo had one, two, three, four close losses, so they could be ten and two themselves. But against lesser opponents here. Uh, they got beat 45-24 by Ohio. And Ohio, basically a Juco team, right? Uh, they lose to Central Michigan. And they lose to Kent State. And the only team they beat was a, basically an FCS Juco team actor. The first year here coach. Where all the players hit the portals and just a bunch of, whoever can, hey, that was a great year, whoever you were. To so either get on Hawaii or Akron or one of these teams, they were desperate for players. Because if you were like a Division II player, Division three guy, but could play something, you could get on these teams and play Division one football at the max level and develop yourself. Good opportunity. You want to become a coach or something. Uh, that's the only win they've had in the last four. So there's something going on there. They, they're limping into this bowl game situation. Helton has a lot to prove, as well as USC has done without him. Suddenly, they're a playoff team, Heisman Trophy, without him. So that's embarrassing for him. Uh, he has to get his players, Georgia Southern guys, SSEC guys, new Clay Hilton guys going. They just too much talent in Georgia Southern. Uh, so give me Georgia Southern minus the four points. It's going to be under 67. Just too many points for the way Clay Hilton, Southern guy, Southern football, the way they want to play. They want to run the ball a lot. And so that's Buffalo. Uh, so I see. I think Buffalo after a while, they're going to pack it in the second half and say, okay, let's get back home. Let's get back to the recruiting trail. So that's what we have to do. we got to recruit, evaluate talent, and develop them for next year. This game's over. Give me Georgia Southern minus four under 67. What do you think, Scott? So I, I agree again. 
I think Georgia, the, the thing about Georgia Southern is they're on a roll offensively. They have scoring points. They're playing really well offensively. Here's a problem I have with Buffalo, okay, is they lost the Holy Cross was 12-0. They have no business losing the Holy Cross. Holy <laughs> Cross is not a good football team. They're not no. a factory. They're not a 12-0 team. No. And they also lost some other games, too. They have not played anybody that I would consider, you know, really good and, and really challenging for them to get them ready for a bowl game. They've played very mediocre, very low, low-talented teams, and they're only 6-6. Six and six. And, right. and to me, that, that's a huge problem for me. When you're going into a bowl game, bowl game. where the crowd is going to be 50% for one team, 50% for the other team, where you don't have a home field advantage, you don't have any of that. But so, I don't think the Buffalo alumni travel. They're they're all buffaloing. They're all traveling with the Buffalo Bills to those games. They're not traveling to exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so in my opinion, because of the Buffalo season that they've put out there on film. And on the schedule, it gives them no shot. They and defensively, Buffalo is not playing well right now. They are giving up points by the bucket full. So Georgia Southern can exploit that. They have much more talent on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and special teams too. I think. Yeah. So that that leads me to the Georgia Southern winning this game and the under because I don't think Buffalo is going to score more than seventeen points, and I think Georgia Southern can get the third thirty-one. Type of range, so. And you make a very good point about special teams because the fact that Clay Helms' dad was a coach, he was a coach at USC. He knows how to. It's almost like Belichick and Carroll in the NFL. They know how to create the structure. No matter if, like you know, Carroll and Belichick are getting senile, or if Clay Helton is not the greatest coach in the world, he knows the structure. <laughs> it would. Uh, Woody Hayes, not Woody Hayes, but Woody Allen said, showing up is 80% of it. So for him showing up is having the best uh, special teams coach available. While Buffalo, uh, they're, they're like, oh, no, I need the best recruiter. Oh, you don't know how to be a special teams coach? Okay, we'll send you to a Kleenex read a book. <laughs> but you can recruit. Clay uh, Halton, no. He, both, the guys do both, and he's probably really good at, you know, Special teams guy. So they're all mad, right? And the last point on this game, uh, the fact they lost a good point against Scott, uh, the, they lost to Holy Cross. Holy Cross 12 0. But then when they played South Dakota State, which South Dakota State and North Dakota State, they should both be in the Big 12. Great FCS developmental programs, and they blew them out. It was, it was not even close. They blew right. them out. Right. Uh, 21 nothing in the fourth quarter because Holy Cross was depleted. But Holy Cross is a very organized team. The only way they can beat a Buffalo by being more organized than them. So you would think playing health is going to be a lot more organized than this Buffalo coach yep. in this situation. So give us Jordan Southern. Absolutely. Jordan Southern. Um, minus a four and under the total. Let's see, I accidentally erased it. Let me put it back here. Let's see. Yeah. All right. Jordan said under 67 minus the four points. And that is December, Tuesday, December 27th, 2022, after Christmas. 
The last is a team that I've watched a lot because they're in the AAC with uh, USF. And that's Eastern Carolina. Uh, Coastal Carolina uh, is a program developed by Joe Maglia, who created Ameritrade, multi-billionaire, always wanted to be a football coach, had minimal experience. So he creates a whole program, goes to Carolina, coaches for 10 years, puts a billion dollars into a good program in the fund off, but they're switching coaches. Uh, coach Grayson went to Liberty. Now they have a new coach. So it's sort of in turmoil, and I started bidding against Coastal and started cashing. And again, the theme so far has been 100%. Teams with coaching um, trauma lose. East Carolina has allers that maybe uh, he's he's a Mike White type uh, Scott. He uh, maybe guys that like to draft and uh, fantasy, right? It's just a random backup free agent coming in and game at the end and get allers for uh, Eastern Carolina. Uh, he's a Trent Dilfer type. He has the physicality um, to be. An NFL quarterback. He's been a four-year starter for these guys, so you can read any kind of defense. Uh, East Carolina had one, two, three close losses. North Carolina State game they should have won. They beat North Carolina State. Uh, their kicker missed like four field goals. <laughs> In a chip shot to win the game. Yeah. I don't know how they, I'm going to see what happened to that guy. I don't know how that guy's even on campus. <laughs> uh, but uh, they have a great coach. He knows how to win it's less. They blew out. You can't finish this year. BYU uh, should have beat Cincinnati. That kicker again, whatever kicker they had, and it's still a little late. Uh, so. That coach won, Coach Houston won titles in the FCS level. So he knows how to win, strategize. He knows the trajectory of a season. I don't manage that really well. Needless to say, he's made me a lot of money betting on Coach Houston in your East Carolina Pirates in Birmingham. Man, big coach, coaching disadvantage for uh, Coastal Carolina. So I like East Carolina, minus a seven senior quarterback. Probably should have the game of his life for your starter. Uh, probably will be in an NFL camp next year. Allers. He's 245, right? He's good presses in the pocket. Knows how to read defenses. He can play in the NFL. And he can run, too, as well. So big game for him, trying to get himself into the NFL. Uh, under, I like it, under the 62, because Carolina has no coaches to run their offense. East Carolina is going to have a very, very good defense that played well this year. So I don't see uh, Carolina scoring at all. I see East Carolina being very responsible, balanced drives to keep their defense fresh. We'll cover the seven points, but it won't go over 62. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, Cole, I just was kind of glancing through Coastal Carolina's schedule uh, very quickly again. They haven't really played anybody that that you could say a lot. I don't. I can't say that. A lot of their schedule is against teams that are they're not very good. As long as losing teams, teams that don't don't strike you as offensive teams or defensive teams. So, and then the coaching thing again, as we've talked about with some of these games, 
when you're losing coaches and you don't have good coaches and they're not there, practice sessions are very disorganized. You know, they don't go as long. They get out as quick as possible. Um, they don't hit. They don't, you know, stuff like that. So East Carolina plays in a really good conference. Um, they will be very disciplined. They will be very ready to go for this game, very organized, ready to go. Again, ready to go. You know, they're against the spread. They, they have some solid numbers, not great numbers, but solid numbers. Where Coastal does not have any good numbers against the spreads. So, as a better, when I look at all this, I, I like East Carolina in this game, and, and I like the under in this game as well. So, yeah, East Carolina, another pick that picking games all season and starting preseason or preseason previews makes that pick really easy. Yeah, yeah. They lost their best bad with coaching um, situations happened with Coach Caldwell going to Liberty. Uh, we covered so we're three and zero on that two and zero, looking to go three and zero on Coast Carolina losing their coach. He's on mountain team that they need everything going for him, and you might get some value too because ESPN is going to be playing up Grayson. They want to they want to play up Grayson for whatever reason. Get him in the NFL. ESPN Live, PR Wise. The last game that day, December 27th, 2022, Tuesday, is Oklahoma State. I like him plus a three, over 43, under 43, for the same reasons. That's the last game. Uh, Oklahoma State, Wisconsin has a new coach. Their defensive coordinator, everybody loved Jen, Jim Leonard, got screwed out of the head coaching job. He's probably taking his best players from the portal to some other place. So chaos going against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State needs this game bad. Big 12. Uh, they're losing their quarterback, Spencer Saunders, but it doesn't matter because this is a system team. Gundy is a the whole run and shoot, spread, air raid system guy. So it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. He's, or, uh, Oklahoma State is keeping their uh, staff intact for the most part. Um, Derek Mason, I believe Derek Mason is still there at the defensive coordinator. So that's a big coaching mismatch right there. Derek Mason against the Wisconsin office coordinator who's probably like a running backs coach because the office coordinator is leaving since Sickle's coming in with his new whole regime. So the players are have an instability and uncertainty. Well, Oklahoma State has a lot more certainty. Their coach has been there uh, 20 years, 20 years plus. So in a way, the wrong team's favorite. It almost seems like too easy, kind of. Yeah, that pick kind of makes itself. Oklahoma State plus a three, under 43. Bet that now, right? Because people listen to the podcast, professional golfers, a lot of money laying around listening to the podcast. And uh, especially these minor bowl games, they might put some lumber down and change the lines. <laughs> so bet that now sound of our voice whenever you hear the podcast in the coming week today on the live stream bet Oklahoma State plus the three under the 43 what do you think Scott so in all in all open openness I'm a big Mike Gundy fan as a coach I think he does a tremendous job with his teams he loves Oklahoma State he said he, he wants to stay there forever and and I think he will be. Um, I watched him play a game earlier this year. I'm trying to pull it up to see who it was. It was 
I think it was the West Virginia game that I no, it was the Oklahoma game that I watched. Yeah, yeah. They lost that game, but I, I'm I'm a big fan of what Mike Gundy does and brings to the table as a coach. He's had a lot of winning seasons. He's had a lot of good offensive teams. He's had a lot of good defensive teams, and they they are competitive as heck in every game that they play. Yeah. Wisconsin, not not your old Wisconsin team, not your old Barry Alvarez teams. They're not defensive, you know. They're not defensive stalwarts, and they don't run the ball like they used to run the ball because they used to just hammer you into submission in every game, and they don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore. They're not a good team against the spread. They're not, you know, they're they're fifty fifty proposition over unders. Um, whereas Oklahoma State's really solid against the spread, really solid as dogs. The wrong team is favored here. Oklahoma State's going to win this game, and I think it's going to go. Uh, you said under, right? Because I'm yeah. I'm leaning that way too. Yeah, I'm leaning that way too. I, I think Oklahoma State plays a, a low scoring, get in, win the game, get out, and that's what they're going to do in this game. I can see this being a twenty-one seventeen game, and I think Oklahoma State's going to win the game. So. Right, Oklahoma State's going to get a lot of their injured players back, and this game means yep. a lot more to the Oklahoma State coaching staff. Certainly does. They're Certainly does. Coach by Gundy, who have pride in their careers. So, yep. you know, he needs another bowl game win for him, for his record, right? Now that he's starting to think about those things as he gets to the last part of his career. And, you know, his grandkids, his wife, his wife, all of that stuff. He, he had, owes it to Boone Pickens, right? In Oklahoma State. So this this bowl game means means something to this guy. He's gonna have his yep. kids play and make us money. Derek Mason, good defensive coordinator, uh Wisconsin bad offense, keeps under forty three. So Wednesday, December the twenty eighth, four games. Uh, first game we'll look at is you can't finish university, the rivals of USF, white people. And I say we because I give them $10,000 a year. Not like this alumni who never even took a class at the university. You know, start claiming stuff. We, we, uh, I give money to the school and I graduated from there. I got a bachelor's and a master's degree from USF. They're playing Duke in the ACC. Uh, Duke has had a great year, 8-4 for Duke. Uh, quintessential developmental program. First-year coach, did a great job. You uh, can't finish. It's just going to have more talent, more players. Another coach that has a lot to prove, Gus Malzahn, fired from Auburn. Uh, he thought there was going to be a national title team with the U.S. You uh, can't finish. They finished with four losses. Uh, the championship game, Mike, Mikey Keene. So when Mikey Keene was playing against USF, they beat USF 46-39. We should have won that game. USF should have won that game. When Mikey Keene went out, you can't finish, was a completely different team. Uh, here, Pumley's coming back for next year. Uh, they lose the title game, AAC title game, 28-45. Um, there are four losses, East Carolina, which we talked about, which we're betting on. Uh, Louisville, which looked good in the bowl game, had talent, under Sheep, 
That's not a bad yep. box. Right? Um, and Navy. Navy's always tough. They really don't have bad losses. They have better players. Times for compare. Gus Monzant won a national title with uh, Cam Newton. Uh, and then took Auburn to a national title game with Rhett Lashley at SMU. To the national title game, lost in the last play of the game to James Winston. So, Coach Malzahn wants to get back to that power five elite level, has better players, more time to prepare, whoever's going to play quarterback. So, I like this game to get over the 62, two offensive guys going at each other. Duke, the only way they can win is getting in a shootout. And I'm going to buy the point and have USF, uh, you can't finish university. (laughs) If I take my emotion out of this and pick them plus the four points, just because they have a lot more talent than Duke and a national title coach. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Okay. So UCF, you can't finish as Josh says. Um, has the talent mismatch in this game. I believe that they have a great had a great schedule this year. Played really good teams. Showed out on offense. Played really well. They scored seventy points against Temple. Um, they beat South Carolina into submission early in the season on September first. They lost to Louisville by less than a touchdown. Then they went on a nice roll where they beat Georgia Tech. They beat SMU. They beat, you know, they lost to East Carolina. That's their base. If you want to call it a bad loss, it's their only bad loss. Other than that, they're scoring in the 30s and 40s and winning games. And they lost to Tulane, too, in the, in the championship game. So they're a very good team. They're well coached. They have very good talent. They have, um, the advantage all over the field, offense, defense. So they will put points up for sure in this game. And the question is, can Duke put up enough points to stay with UCF? UCF, And I don't think they can. So I'm picking UCF, and I'm, I'm going over because I think Gus Malzahn is going to put his mark on this game as a coach. And I think he's going he's gonna to put up a boatload of points, probably close to 40 against a Duke team that's going to have to pass and they're going to have to score to, to even remotely stay close. So give me UCF and give me the over. Nice. It seems like an easy game to pick to begin the day that day, December 28th, yeah. 20, And I think they can't finish. Usually people that go to you can't finish take six, seven years to finish a four-year program. <laughs> Tough school to get out of. Uh, so guys like the Duke coach, they beat guys who are disorganized. Gosman's on his whole life is football. He'll have UCF very organized to cover the spread for us. Another very organized coach, and I'm going to keep hammering this until it's stuck not making money. Arkansas lost uh, Barry Odom, their defensive coordinator, to UNLV. I was looking at Sam Pittman. I said, uh, Sam Pittman, and I'm worried about Sam. Why aren't you going to send him a note? Because he looked very bad. He looked like he hadn't slept. He is fat like I am. I'm losing weight. Uh, he's a heart attack ready to happen, Sam Pittman. Uh, he told he, w- he went through his schedule. 
He's focused on recruiting. I don't think he cares anything about this game. They're, they're like two days. They're focusing on Kansas. They're only ha- practicing out of the fifteen times. They're only practicing seven times. Kansas practicing fifteen times. Their coach almost immediately turned this Kansas program around with no talent, zero talent. They don't have depth. They break down easy, so they have to win their early games earlier in the season, and they did that. They won all their early games. Syracuse have to win all their early games. They have one, two, one, two, one, two, two, two post losses. Right, so they could be in for. Uh, this is a team that those fifteen practices time off will help them a lot to get guys ready to go. It's a bigger game for them than it is Arkansas. Arkansas is going to be missing players, coaches. Gary Oldman brought his best defensive players and best coaches to Italy from Arkansas. Coaches focus on recruiting for the SEC next year, transfer portal, NIL, high school, junior college. Kansas has a lot of structural advantages in this game. Overrated SEC teams. People are going to be at the casinos waiting for uh, New Year's. They're bidding blindly favorites and overs. Uh, I do see this game getting over because Kansas has no defense at all to speak of. Uh, but they'll get one or two stops when they need it against Arkansas's third or fourth quarterback. I saw Fortin come in there. Fortin played a USF horrible guy if he's in there. I love my chances for Kansas. So give me Kansas plus the four points. I'm going to buy the points to cover my ass since I bet so many games. And I'm going to go um, I'm actually going to change my mind here. Buy myself out of that. Um, I'm going to go over 69. What do you think, Scott? So Arkansas was a top 10 team early in the season. A they fake top 10 went, team. Huh? A fake top 10 team. Fake top 10 team. I, I never bought into them anyway, first of all. But second of all, their precipitous drop as the season went on is very, very alarming and telling to me. Kansas has won in the last five games. They are on a major time roll going into this ball game. That's a huge advantage. That's a huge thing for me when you're going into ball games. Which team has all the momentum going into the game? And the right. answer is Kansas. Kansas can, you know, is a tough team. They beat a lot of good teams in, in their conference to get to this point. They're very underrated team. I like them to win the game. I'm gonna and the wrong team again is favored in this game, I think. So I'm gonna take Kansas and I'm gonna go slightly under in this game. I'm gonna go slightly under. I think it can get to sixty five points. I don't know if it's gonna get past that. So I'm gonna go slightly under, but I'm with you on Kansas. Like what total do you have there? 68 and a half I have is the total right now. 68. Right, so you like the actually the under in this? I like the under, just slight under. I think it's going to probably get 65, and that's about it. Right, cool, cool. Yeah, so we, that's the only one we've had a difference of opinion on. Probably get you yeah. out some break the tie. We'll post yeah. it on Twitter and on the website, and then I'll do a post on YouTube as well. So, folks who want a consensus pick on that one, we'll get one. 
All right. Uh, next game will be North Carolina plus 14, under 72 against the Oregon in the Holiday Bowl. So that's the 28th. Okay, I was wondering what the Holiday Bowl was and when it was. I might be at, at this game. Uh, I'd like to see Bo Nix up front. It'll be a very entertaining game. Uh, Gene Sizzix, uh doesn't tweet much. He did send out a tweet today, like a Bible verse and I think. That must be because he's, you know, heading out here for the bowl game of starting practices. He has something up his sleeve. Gene Sizzix won a national title with Auburn as their head coach with Cam Noon. Now he's a defensive coordinator for North Carolina. Mac Brown won a national title with uh, Texas 2009 with that running quarterback. Forgot his name. Uh, young, right? He won the. Vince Young. Vince Young, yeah. Vince Young. So what it tells us is that these guys don't quit and they're going to come up with a very, very, very organized. He has a lot of resources in North Carolina. Their basketball program brings in a lot of money. Football there in the ACC. Uh, so they have a full staff for recruiting. He has recruiters. Then he has his NOS guys. Gene Sizzik is a defensive coordinator. He's getting like $2 million for defensive coordinator. And he doesn't have to go out recruiting. He'll do that when he feels like it. later on. Right now, he has eight to 10 young guys, portal guys, guys on the road recruiting for North Carolina. Well, him and Shizik are back home strategizing for the bowl game. So they'll be very organized around three game losing streak, have a lot of pride. Oregon's also on a losing streak. So they have no momentum going in there, kind of beat up. They lost two of the last three games to Washington and Oregon State. We're going to see Beavers that we're familiar with. Dan Lanning uh, from the Bill Belichick, Nick Satan, Kirby Smart tree. Very organized game. I think they're going to go toe-to-toe against each other. Uh, it's going to be a great game. It's going to go... Oh, I think under 72 is just too many points because of all the plotting and strategizing going on. Dan Lanning strategized that uh, that Georgia defensive game plan last year. It's a defensive coordinator for the Bulldogs. Him and Will Mushin, right? Uh, so they're going to get their defense kind of fixed during bowl season. So these are upper-level programs when you think about it, right? Because they're doing two things during these bowl practices, getting ready for next year and getting ready for the actual game and fixing flaws they had during the season because these are $150 million athletic programs with the resources to be able to shoot, gun, and walk at the same time. So give me North Carolina plus 14, under 72. What do you think, Scott? I agree with you. I think this is going to be the most entertaining game we've talked about so far. So I, I I absolutely think North Carolina can keep this game close, and they're, and they're going to. I think the Oregon uh, monumental collapse against Oregon State in the fourth quarter is a telltale sign that their confidence is a little bit shaken going into this game because this will be the next game to get back on the football field after that Oregon State game right. so where, they had, where they had everything to play for and they had everything right there for themselves, and Oregon State took it away from them. Right. 
So I, I think North Carolina can definitely keep this game close. And 72 points is way too much in this game. Way too much. You're basically saying each team's got to basically score 37 points. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that... can pay too much money for that yeah. to go on. Yeah, so I... I I'm a big fan of Bo Nix. I love his game. I love what he does at quarterback. But I think North Carolina is going to keep this game within 10 points. So give me North Carolina plus the 14 and under 72. Nice. Love it. The game kind of picks itself. All right. And yep. then the last game in part one, bowl season. And because a lot of people are, you know, don't have the percentages we have or can't monetize the time the way, the way we do, they're not giving you every game in detail besides the total for college bowl season. I don't know anybody can do And it really starts in May when I get the field steal and we start doing the college conference previews. It gets you to the point where you can do all these games. But the point is to make a lot of money. Doing this, I made close to thirty thousand dollars in both season last year. That's what we want to repeat and have fun doing it. So last game is Texas State, the Red Raiders against Lane Kiffin. The total the game is Ole Miss minus three and a half. The over under sixty nine and a half. What do you think, Scott? So. Lake Kiffin has turned his coaching career around, I think. Right. He went when he was with the Raiders, he was looked at as a not a good coach. A really not a good coach. And he's turned that around. And he he's done a phenomenal job at Ole Miss. I think I think they have um, they have talent across the board. Texas Tech is a big time scoring team, I think. Um, they play in that SEC that was where Mike Leach was as a coach, and I think his philosophies have continued. Right, they played twelve games this year. Eight of them have gone over. They're two, three, and one against the spread as a three and a half point underdog or more, and they're six and six against the spread overall. Right, Ole Miss is not a great against the spread team, but I think that's a little bit deceiving in this in this instance. So I'm going to take Ole Miss in this situation. And I'm going to take the under in this situation as well. I think Lane Kiffin will do something on offense that will give Texas Tech problems. And I think that'll be the difference in this game. So I like Old Miss and I like the under in this game. All right. Uh, Lane Kiffin has to be the opposite of Nick Satan, right? Yeah. Under recruiting. Can you go to Alabama? Yep. Uh, everything's going to be very, very rigid. Yep. Here we're going to be running gun, have some have slime, running gun. Make sure you go to class, take care of your business. And then you can go out and party, have a good time. Uh, we're going to be rigid, but we're not going to be militaristic as if you were in Alabama. Here's yes sir, no sir, salute. Here we're going to be a tiny bit less relaxed, right? So you can get through your time in school there. Uh, that's why I like the over. I like both teams to just score a lot of points. Uh, yeah, Texas Tech. I'm trying to think. 
Sunny come from from well, I know uh, Kitty, right? So Kitty was uh, office coordinator at Houston Baptist when we Ben Rasslev was on the podcast like three years ago. Zappy was a quarterback, goes to Western Kentucky, and now he's the offensive coordinator. So we have actually somebody for a while he was following some Twitter. I don't know if Texas Tech allows coaches to follow sports betting podcasts on Twitter. But for a while he did follow Good Kitty. He liked her content. Uh, that said, Mike Leach Street from the core. His best friend is Plainsbury. From the oh, years of uh, Graham Harrell, offensive coordinator at uh, Kentucky, not Kentucky, but West Virginia. Tyson Helton, right? Plays brother, Western Kentucky. We'll see earlier. But watching Western Kentucky, you get some insight into Texas Tech, into Georgia Southern, because they're all part of their own little coaching syndicate or mafia there. But and you can predict things watching them from a sports betting point of view to monetize the game. So everything we say in the podcast is in order to uh, make money on the game. And it's not easy, right? And most people can't do it. That's why our podcast grows exponentially this part of the season. It's people who started and not quit. Because it's not as easy as you think it is. And then when you start tracking it, you realize you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> Reality sets in, right? That's a good part about doing a podcast because it's public. When people hold you accountable, they listen to a pick wrong or something, they'll, hey, blah, blah, blah. So it's good to be accountable that way. Uh, so I'm actually going to go over the 69, but I do like the Ole Miss. Uh, they do like it under the 69. Yeah, and, slightly under. 69 is yeah. a lot to ask these teams. So. Right, right. It's just because I think as wild as is Lane Kiffin is out, that's like saying that there, will, there will be no stops in this game, which I can see that happen. I can see them being no stops at all in this game and having it go over, have it be in the 40s. But to your point, uh, Texas Tech is going to have to use the flavor of the air raid that's like a running game ball control. It's really the air raid is really what uh, Atlanta's doing running the wishbone. It is an options thing, right, where the quarterback has two plays in his head uh, at the line. He has an option to do two or three things. So wishbone, you run it. The air raid, you pass it. That's really the only difference when you get when you break it down. So Texas Tech might use the ball control flavor of the air raid to keep the game under. I just think their defense is so bad that uh, Ole Miss, and this is a unique situation for Ole Miss, where they don't mind scoring quickly. In an SEC game, they do not want to score quickly because they don't want to tire out defense. Exactly. Exactly. In a bowl game situation against an inferior opponent, he might want to score because he thinks he can score 100 points on and they can't stop. In that scenario, that's how the game goes over. The final thoughts on that game and final thoughts of part one. Part two, we'll be back. Lord willing. Uh, December the 29th, that Thursday, there'll be four games going on. First game, we'll put it on Twitter. 
Uh, three games will do it live stream on the podcast, then on Twitter, and, and that should take us all the way through the end of both seasons to the national championship. So I, so I think the theme of this was a lot of games that pick themselves. There's a yeah. lot of games that the, the wrong team is favored, right? And that'll help us monetize and make money. So I know people will look for the the podcast. You now have it. So, uh, <laughs> Right, you now have it. So follow what we've said all podcasts. Listen right. to the reason. Listen to to what we've said, and go to the window and place the bet and make the money. So yeah, know, it's great betting to do this. Each one, follow our rules. The top ten rules of betting. Follow that. Uh, just bet the NFL with us. Talk bull season with us. Leave the NFL, yep. NBA alone. Leave hockey alone. Uh, and just make and then from then on you can do what you want. But for our purpose here in the podcast, that each game individually, listen to the wise, learn how to pick your own game. Yep. Look at our Twitter, our Twitter feed, especially at this time of the year, is currency. We have currency there. People we retweet. We don't just retweet anybody. People retweet things we like. It's good information. Specifically tied to monetizing the games, highest and best use of your time. And it's just business, right? It's not religion or philanthropy. You give one, you get 10 back. Do not have to pay any sports a thousand dollars. We've done a lot of research on these games. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a ton of information on this. You don't need to pay for research. Just listen to the podcast. Some people listen to it twice. I have a fiduciary. I can't hurt the public. Everything I have to say, because of my licenses, security licenses, has to help the public. And Winston Churchill said to that end, you make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network. That's why this one goes cost $800 and that goes $200. And I don't know what that cost, I'm just shitting to work. That's why I'm wearing the shoes and roll my butt.